welcome to the Sharpening Report. I am your host, Josh Peck. Today we have part three of our series with Timothy Alberino, author of the new book, Birthright. You're going to want to check this out. If you don't want to wait till tomorrow for part four, you can head on over to dailyrenegade.com for the entire series available right now. Head on over, dailyrenegade.com, get a membership, log in, go to the members area, look for Sharpening Report, and you will find the entire series there. It's very easy. Uh, and then you don't have to wait any longer. A membership is only $10 a month or $100 a year. You get early access to all of our videos. Uh, you get a a lot of benefits so and you get full episodes of everything we produce so make sure you head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership right now uh, without further ado here is part three of our conversation with timothy alberino hey everybody welcome to the sharpening report we welcome back timothy alberino tim how are you doing i'm doing very well thank you Absolutely. Thank you for joining us again. For those who have been following the series, this is part three. I finished the rest of your book, phenomenally written. I loved the last chapter. Um, I, I really like, uh, like really everything that we're going to be talking about today. Last time we discussed the Garden of Eden, the degeneration of uh, Adam, the golden age when gods walked among men and the judgment of the flood. So picking up from last time, the next topic discussed in your book is Atlantis. And interestingly enough, like you point out in your book, Atlantis was divided into 10 portions that were ruled by the 10 sons of Poseidon, hybrid twins. What does Atlantis uh, tell us about the end of the age? Because there's some prophetic significance here. Well, Atlantis encodes the 710 numerology of the dragon. And uh, what I mean by that is the dragon had seven heads, 10 horns, 10 diadems on his heads. And interestingly enough, the, the tale of, of Atlantis, which also encapsulates the the uh, the essence, the uh, the story of the of the of the Golden Age and the descent of the gods and the cohabitation of the gods and men. So when you begin to realize that the objective of the, the great plan of of the Luciferian priesthood is to uh, bring about a, a resurrection of the Atlantean world order, then you be, you can you can find a very interesting correlation between um, the the story of Atlantis, the the legend of Atlantis, and some of what's unfolding in the Book of Revelation. Um, and that is precisely because Atlantis fits is is part of, I believe, the dragons, the machinations of the dragon at the end of the age. And again, that is to uh, um, resurrect, reanimate the the lost um the the old order the order of the old world the what i call the atlantean world order which was a condition in which the offspring of the gods were ruling on earth the hybrid offspring of the gods were governing the earth were ruling on earth were really they were it was a, like i said last time it was a dystopian nightmare on planet earth and that's where we're, we're headed again and there's this three-step plan to usher in this new golden age that the, these people want to uh, bring about. They, they want to bring back, you know, this horrible time in human history. They see that as a good thing, but um, they want to specifically instill a new religion, an alien threat, and a post uh, a, a uh, post-human paradigm. But before we get into each of those three steps, who are the people behind this plan before we get into the plan itself? Who are these people and who are they serving? Well, if you go to the top of the hierarchy, you're, you're dealing with 
what I call the insurgency. And the and and well, let me rephrase that. All of the enemies of God, I call the insurgency because that's exactly what they are, human or non-human. They are the insurgency. Uh, at the top of the insur- of the hierarchy of the insurgency is our seven dragon princes. Chief among those princes is the is the is is the principal figure who who we have designated as Satan, or the Bible designates as Satan. Now, of course, the the term Satan is 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 not really a proper name in the Bible. It's the Satan. It's the it's the Satan means adversary, accuser. So, so uh, but there is a figurehead. And last time we talked. Uh, we mentioned that this figure whom the Bible designates as Satan, the Satan, the primary, the, the primary antagonist, uh, is 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 very much likened in my mind to for those who are familiar with the Harry Potter series to to Voldemort in that he it is he who is not to be named, he who should not be named. Uh, so we're never really given uh, the the name of these advers- of these principal adversarial figures, these non-human figures. Um, Lucifer is not his name. Uh, Lucifer is a, is a misnomer, and I, and I explain why that is in the Bible. I don't mind the term Lucifer, the, the moniker Lucifer, because it is fitting. Um, nevertheless, it is not his actual name. But this is the figure that I'm talking about. This is the, the principal figure at the top, um, and he has six subordinate princes. And again, I go through this in my book. I lay this case out why I believe that he has six uh, princes. And so uh, beneath them in the hierarchy of the insurgency are probably a host of other uh, insurgent sons of God, uh, rebel sons of God. And by the way, I kind of bear away from the term fallen angel because it's it's a little bit too colloquial for me. It's a little bit too, uh, it's ambiguous and and it's a little bit too cartoony for me. It's, it's cartoonish in my mind. Right. Um, I think that, you know, people will envision, if you say fallen angel, people are going to envision like grotesque horned creatures with wings falling from the sky. That is not the accurate depiction of these beings. When I say these beings, I mean, of course, the, the fallen sons of God, the, the insurgent sons of God. The, they've defected from the kingdom. These are members of what I call the elder race, and we explained why I call that, that, them that in the first uh, interview we did, that these, these are members of the elder, defected members of the elder race who defected from the kingdom of heaven, who followed the dragon into open insurrection against the king of heaven long ago. And these creatures, these entities, are not, as I said, grotesque figures. These are not uh, the, the, the monsters that we've seen portrayed in books and, 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 and in Hollywood, and the, the demonic figures. Uh, these are, I believe, um, very beautiful beings that, uh, and, I, and I always want to say, we, and, and they look very much like us, but in reality, we look very much like them. Right. Remember, we're the younger brother. And, and, and all of the sons of God bear the image of the son of God. And that's why we look alike us and them. And we know we look alike. I mean, this is not disputed. And, and this, this can't really be disputed um, from a biblical standpoint, because we know that in the Bible, when, when, when men encounter angels, angels look like men. Mm-hmm. And again, it's really, really the case is that men look like angels. And so I believe that the, the insurgent faction of, fa- of fallen sons of God 
are probably they probably about six to seven feet tall. They they blonde hair, blue eyes, most of them, fair skin. And so these are the fallen sons of God. These are the quote unquote fallen angels. And we need to kind of um, uh, jettison this this grotesque uh, imagery that we have in our heads when 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 contemplating the insurgent sons of God, because you're going to be pretty shocked in the future. I think if that's your if that's the your contemplation of of uh, you know what some people refer to as the fallen ones, but in reality these are insurgent sons of God. They've defected from the kingdom. And by the way, every single human being who rejects the cross of Christ, who rejects the gospel, is also an insurgent. You are part of the insurgency. You are an enemy of God. That's why the Bible calls you an enemy of God. If you reject the gospel of Christ, you are an enemy of God. And in fact, we're all born into this condition of enmity with God, of depravity, of destitution. Uh, and uh, it's, again, like the prodigal son, the prodigal son recognized his his depravity, his destitution, and decided to go and, and ask for forgiveness from his father. Um, and that's a depiction of, of, of repentance. And so, you know, those who are not with the king are against him. Those who are not members of the kingdom of God are, are members of the insurgency, whether they like it or not. They are. And to some degree, you belong to the leader, the chief of the insurgency the dragon and his princess. And so the dragon is at the top of the hierarchy. Now there are, um, there are human agents and human agencies that are knowingly um, operating on the earth as agents of the dragon, as agents of this, of, of the insurgency. They view the dragon and his princes they view the defected sons of gods as the good guys, the sons of God, I should say. And they, they view Yahweh, Jehovah, as they refer to him, as the enemy. Right. You know, this is the gospel of Christ. This is the, this is the biblical narrative upside down. That is the, I actually saw a really interesting book title the other day. I love the book title, and I wish I would have thought of it first. <laughs> uh, the Gospel According to Satan. Oh, wow. So it's a great title for a book because really, really, that's what Luciferianism is. It's the gospel according to Satan, because because the dragon takes the gospel, the, the, the narrative of the biblical narrative and literally flips it upside down. He inverts it. And that's his gospel, that Yahweh is evil, that mankind was in slavery in Eden, that that it was the dragon who liberated, who enlightened mankind. The dragon is the giver of knowledge. The dragon is the giver of eternal life. Yahweh is the enemy. And I make a point in this book to, to demonstrate that in, 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 at the end of the age, there will, there will be no atheists. Mm -hmm. I say that, uh, that atheism is going extinct. And it's, it's going to be evolving into something, uh, 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 into a new religion, into a new concept. That, and I coined a term, apotheotheism. Mm -hmm. And apotheotheism is the amalgamation of apotheosis, which is to become like a god, is to, is to become deified, apotheosis, and theism, which is the belief in the gods. So you take your belief that you're going to become like the gods that exist. So it's not that the gods don't exist, it's that the gods do exist, and we can become like them. That's apotheotheism. That is the religion of the future.
Yeah. That is the religion of the future. Yeah, and I was going to ask too, because we read in Bible prophecy about this strange end times religion, and it, it seems by descriptions in Daniel and, and possibly even Revelation, depending how, how you interpret it, but it, it seems like this is something that's kind of new, something that, that has roots in ancient history, but it's kind of a new manifestation of it. So like, like you said, is this the, the end times religion? What, what exactly is that? And how have we been seeing this develop in the past few decades? There's three um, primary philosophies or doctrines that have come together, that have converged, that are converging in, in, in our time, um, that are going to lead to this new doctrine, apotheotheism. And these three, um, these three doctrines come from three primary figureheads. First, Charles Darwin and the theory of evolution. Uh, second, uh, Frederick Nietzsche and his uh, philosophy, uh, the philosophy of Nietzsche. Uh, which is the will to power, which is an adaptation of the uh, sele- of uh, evolution by natural selection. So he was a he did not he he was a he subscribed he subscribed to the evolutionary theory Nietzsche did, but he did not like Darwin's mechanism of natural selection. So he replaced it with what he called the will to power, mm. um, which is leading to conscious evolution, which. Which is the which is the end 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 game here, and then the third the third element is Aleister Crowley is the is is the rebellion of Aleister Crowley, and Crowley was a aficionado of Friedrich Nietzsche and also subscribed to evolu- the evolutionary theory, and you take those three those three doctrines Darwinism, Nietzschean philosophy, and and Thelema Crowleyan Thelema. You take those three doctrines, you combine them, that is apotheotheism. It is, it is, we are going to evolve and become like the gods. We're going to do it by uh, the will to power, the will to power, our desire to become gods ourselves. Nietzsche, God is dead. And the reason why Nietzsche says God is dead is because we're going to become the gods of our own making. We're going to craft our own, our own concept of morality. You know, and there's a lot of people who, who, um, a lot of philosophers and 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 even some people who I've interacted with online who view Nietzsche in a different light. They think that uh, you know maybe Nietzsche gets a bad rap because he said God is dead. Um, and I understand that take. I get it. Nietzsche was a very complicated figure. He was a very complicated philosopher. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to paint him in in black and white terms. However, it is abundantly clear that Nietzsche had held a a contempt for the New Testament. He loved the God of the Old Testament, then that you know what he considered to be the vindictive, you know, wrathful God of the Old Testament. He loved that figure. He hated the New Testament, and he and he he, he detested the Apostle Paul, and and he 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 set himself up as an enemy of the gospel as as depicted in the New Testament, because the gospel of Christ, it what the gospel of Christ demands that we recognize the depravity of the human condition. It, depra- it demands that we recognize our, our depravity, right. like the prodigal son. We're eating a slop of pigs, right? Um, it, 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 it demands that because you cannot repent unless you first recognize your depravity. That's the first thing that has to happen for conversion. You first recognize your depravity, the depth of your depravity as, a, as, a, as the offspring of Adam fallen, sundered from the family of God, full of sin and full of vice, you know, you're, you're born in the natal blood of, of the fall from your mother's womb. 
and you are born in a condition, a fallen condition, and you need to be uh, redeemed, reconciled, and restored. You recognize your depravity. Nietzsche didn't like that. Nietzsche, Nietzsche did not like the, 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 the idea of, of mercy and forgiveness and, and this, this loving embrace of Christ and bringing us back into the family of God. Nietzsche liked the will to power, mm. that we recognize that man is still an ape. Uh, and that 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 man is a, what is man but a laughing stock, a mockery, um, um, and and that 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 we must evolve. We have the we have this this um, uh, we have this uh, this divine um, th- this divine mandate to evolve out of instead of instead of repenting and being restored through the resurrection. Nietzsche views it as. Yes, we're destitute. Yes, we're depraved. But we need to use the will to power, this this mechanism of evolution, the will to power to evolve out of of man and into into, uh, the um, overman, into overman, which is Superman. There's different um, um, translations. So we need to overcome mankind. What have you done to overcome mankind, he asks using the voice of Zarathustra. And, and so there's this compulsion uh, in Nietzschean philosophy that mankind must evolve. See, see, Darwin, the mechanism of evolution that Darwin provided, natural selection, has no purpose. It has no direction. It's not going anywhere. Right. And, and evolutionary biologists will tell you this. In fact, they, the evolutionary biologists... They hate the notion that evolution has a purpose. They shoot it down. If anybody suggests that evolution has a purpose, you know they they're 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 very much in 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 uh, in opposition to that idea. Evolution has no purpose. That you know they 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 they're always making this case. Stop trying to give evolution a purpose. And they're usually making this case against New Agers and people like Barbara Marx Hubbard and others, and and um, uh, um, and and. Um, Pierre Tehard de Chardin, you know, stop trying to give evolution a, a, a purpose. It doesn't have a purpose. That has no reason. It has no rhyme or reason. Uh, it's not going anywhere. There is no destination for evolution, right? Uh, and this is what evolutionary biologists say. It's, it's random mutation. It's just survival. Not so, according to Nietzschean philosophy. And by the way, the Darwinian view is fading in the background. Yeah. And the Nietzschean view is rising. Nietzsche, Nietzsche gave evolution a purpose. He gave it a purpose. He said the purpose of evolution is the overman. The purpose of evolution on planet Earth is to bring forth the overman. The overman is just another way of saying the posthuman. Overman is a posthuman being. That is the purpose of evolution. And so, and so you have Darwin who paved the road for Nietzsche, who paved the road for Crowley. And Crowley was the next important step on the path of apotheotheism, on the path of posthumanism, because what Crowley did was he took the, the, this, the, the philosophy of Nietzsche and he, developed, he further developed it so that we have the will to power. Human beings, we have the will to power this evolutionary force to evolve, to become something more than just mere men. And how do we do that? How do we break out? Of, well, we've got to, and Nietzsche believed this too, we've got to break out of the paradigm of the Christian paradigm that's, 
that's constraining the West, right? So, so, so Nietzsche believed in Crowley, of course, that 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 Christian morals were inhibiting the rise of superior human beings. Mm. And, and and he envisioned in his mind the kind of superior human beings that he envisions. He loved Napoleon. Napoleon was 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 a, a forerunner of the overman in Nietzsche's mind. Well, who came after Nietzsche? Adolf Hitler, who was another. Uh, and of course, uh, nobody can deny. People try to deny. People who who uh, are students of Nietzsche uh, really try and distance Nietzsche from the Nazis. You cannot separate Nietzsche from the Nazis. You can't do it. Uh, the, the Nazi doctrine is, is predicated on Nietzsche and Blavatsky, by the way, who's another player here. Right. So you have the Nazis who are taking the Nietzschean uh, mechanism of evolution. Uh, the, the Nazi doctrine was all about evolution, Darwinian evolution. But then they, they used Hitler incorporated Nietzsche's mechanism, the will to power. We're going to create the master race. We're not just going to let random evolution take care of things. No, we are going to breed the master race. Um, uh, Hitler, um, he decided he is going to effectuate the mandate of the will to power in the earth. He's going to give rise to the overman, the master race. Mm -hmm. that, was what, uh, that was what the Nazis were all about. That's literally what they were doing. You cannot separate Nietzschean philosophy from Nazism. Sorry, everybody who tries to is just, it's an exercise in futility. You can't do it. Nietzsche would have loved Adolf Hitler. He would have loved him because he, he, would, he was a, a Napoleonic figure. Crowley, he's taking this concept of will to power. We can become something more than, than just mere mankind. And he hated the constraints of Christianity and morals. Interestingly enough, uh, I, I, I don't know about Darwin, but, but Nietzsche and Crowley were both born into very puritanical Christian families. Right. Um, and, and they were both the sons of preachers, ministers. And so, or at least had that background and, and, and Crowley decided that in order for mankind to evolve, to go to the next level on his evolutionary ascent, he had to, he had to break the constraints of morality. And that's of course what Nietzsche said. Nietzsche believed in the master morality as opposed to the slave morality. Right. So the master morality is, is us making just determining ourselves what morality is. We're going to define what morality is. You can't tell us that. And, and you want to see this here? I'll, I'll give you a very I'll give you a very vivid example of Nietzschean philosophy. You can't tell me that killing a baby in the womb is immoral. Right. What makes what gives you the right to tell me that that's immoral? I say that the immorality is taking away the choice from the woman to terminate the the, the baby in the womb. That's Nietzschean philosophy. Make no mistake about it. That's Nietzschean philosophy. I will determine what morality is. And this is, of course, what we see in the United States on the left, more than anything, on the right, too. But on the left, primarily, don't tell us what morality is. Don't tell us that, you know, a, a, uh, a, a um, traditional family and, and, and a man and a woman marrying and having children. Don't tell us that that's moral. We, we, I can, I can go and, and marry another man, and that's just as moral, right? Right. We're, we're creating our own notions of morality, Nietzschean philosophy. Now, rolling over into Crowleyanism, into 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 um, Thelema, Crowley's uh, cult, his doctrine of Thelema, which is do what thou wilt. Mm -hmm. So he just took it to the next step. 
that is the that's that is the that is the log logical progression of Nietzschean philosophy. If Nietzschean philosophy says that that we need to break the constraints of, of morality and and will will ourselves in, in, into the next stage of evolution, then 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 the the next logical step would be do whatever you want, do what thou wilt. There are no constraints. There is no morality. Um, and in order for mankind to reach its highest potential, we have to we have to break free from the constraints. Hey, this is starting to sound like something. <laughs> Psalm two. It's start, starting to sound like the Declaration of Psalm two. Let us break their bonds asunder and cast away their cords from us. Who are they talking about in Psalm two? They're talking about the Lord and His anointed Son mm -hmm. in Psalm two. They're getting ready. See, the nations are plotting. The the kings of the earth and the rulers, two different groups are plotting, they're scheming together in Psalm 2. Let us break their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. They're talking about Yahweh and his anointed son. We will not have this man rule over us, is another declaration of this, this, this rebellious um, post-human generation that's coming. And, and so there's going to be a recognition in the future. Make no mistake about it. There will be a recognition that Yahweh is exists. That 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 this 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 Christian uh, Judeo Christian God is actually a real being, and His Son is real. And there's these entities that are real that are aligned with this being, and they're the bad guys. That's that's going that. I mean, I'm telling you, if you read the Bible. Um, if you believe the text of scripture, you can't avoid that. That right. is coming. It's not that God doesn't exist. Again, remember, apotheotheism. The gods do exist, and we will become like them. That's the religion of the future. And so what we're headed for is war with Yahweh. And when I say war, please don't think I'm talking about spiritual war which none of us really knows what, what, what that is anyway. I'm talking about kinetic war. The kind of warfare that happened in the age before man that, 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 that wrought ruin in the solar system. That's the kind of war that's coming at the end of the age. And, and the dragon is going to muster his forces and, and, the, and, and, is, and, the, and, and who I believe is going to be his hybrid son, the beast, Apollo, He's going to muster his forces on earth, his post-human legions. And what are they doing? They're, they are preparing to resist the return of the dragon slayer of Christ at the end of the age. There's another part to this uh, whole plan, too, involving something that, that has been, surprisingly, the past, especially the past two or three years, I've noticed it kind of in our Christian circles, uh, has become controversial, to say the least. And so before I ask this next question, I want to preface it by saying far too often Christians are, are way too quick to label someone uh, a heretic if they don't agree on certain points relating to the whole alien UFO thing. You know, I've noticed this myself. It's disturbing to say the least. And the fact is, this is a very mysterious phenomenon. 
And because there isn't a generally accepted, clear-cut answer to it, we're just going to have people that don't agree and have ideas, and that's totally fine. There's nothing heretical about that. It's not even a, a salvational issue. I've, I've heard people say things like, well, yeah, but that theory is going to scare people and make them lose their faith. And, you know, I, I say that's kind of that's ridiculous because there's a lot of things that are true, um, that that can be said about, that that can be said that, you know, this will make them lose their faith, like the death of a child, for example. Um, it's not really the thing itself, but it's the interpretation of that thing. So if someone says, you know, your child died, so God obviously doesn't exist and doesn't love you, and if that person believes it, then they, they can lose their faith. But if somebody says Jesus is in control, God loves you, and if they believe that instead, they're not going to lose their, their faith if their child dies. Now, the, the main point here is be, is um, having the right opinions about non-salvational issues is not what causes someone to keep or lose their faith. If someone loses their faith because they hear an opinion that they're not familiar with or haven't heard before, I see it more as a weakness, uh, more of the fault of the church as a whole for not allowing these conversations to be had because they're too busy calling everybody else, you know, heretics. And where where are we as believers today if someone sharing an opinion on a, a very mysterious thing is grounds to cast that person off and label him as a heretic, despite the fact that he constantly preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, I, I think the attitude of, uh, you know, he must agree with me on this or he's spreading deception is is foolish, it's immature, it's prideful, uh, as if any one of us knows for 100% fact every single facet of this topic anyway. It's ridiculous. But it's the same as like fighting about the rapture or flat earth or holidays or any number of disagreements that we might have. We're not even supposed to be arguing and getting angry with unbelievers on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to show love, respect, and patience. And if we can't disagree in love about an obvious brother in the Lord who clearly loves Jesus, proves that by teaching the biblical gospel consistently, and if you don't believe me, go back and watch the other two parts because that has been the consistent theme throughout this whole series, uh, it, you know, it makes me wonder where our priorities are as Christians. It makes me wonder, you know, what the church is lifting up as higher and more important than the gospel and how, and how far and deep into pride that we have fallen. And so all of that being said, Tim, uh, I, I believe that your opinion here absolutely has, has value. And if we're willing to hear it out and test it not just against our own interpretations of Scripture, but the actual clear teachings of the Bible itself, I believe even if someone disagrees with it, this can help us consider this issue in a fresh and helpful way instead of being you know, locked into one opinion and refusing to hear anything else out. Uh, we don't want to do that as believers, you know, just remain in ignorance. Um, in me and Derek's book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, we, uh, Derek Gilbert, we actually lay out a theological case that intelligent life could exist elsewhere in the universe and it would not conflict with the Bible. And it already does. Right. Well, that, that, and that's what I'm getting to, because you, 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 touched, you touched on this briefly in uh, part one of our series here. But, but what is your opinion on this? Do extraterrestrials, and I mean specifically, you know, aliens on another planet, uh, not spiritual or extra dimensional beings, because we've been talking about that, but, but specifically extra to, extraterrestrials, do you believe that they exist? And if so, are they responsible for the sightings and abductions people reported? And not the contactees, because you do make a 
very apt uh, distinction between abductees and contactees uh, in the book. But but the victims of abduction, are they responsible uh, for that? Do they exist? What, what is your opinion on the whole extraterrestrial alien UFO phenomenon? In short, yes. The answer is yes. Um, and, and by the way, I really don't mind, and, and I could really care less if people call me a heretic, say this or that, say I've I've lost my way. I've abandoned uh, the faith. Uh, please grow up. That's yeah. what I say to people: grow the freak up, because the stuff that's coming is going to is is going to shatter your paradigm. So you better get ready. I'm not going to apologize. Look what's coming. Just turn on the news. the 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 issue of UFOs and extraterrestrials is coming, and so you better get ready to deal with it. And I'm telling everybody that. That the that the that the Bible provides the framework to understand these things. It's here. We don't have to. We don't have to worry about it. It, it shouldn't shake your faith at all. One one iota. Right. It does not change. It does not alter the gospel of Christ at all. And in fact, in my book, I show how it fits in. What's happening? I mean, um, so I think people need to grow up. I think pe- people are. The, some people in this audience are very are very factional. They're very tribal. They, they like to get into little tribes and, you know, they subscribe to this this particular person's uh, perspective or that person's perspective. And, and and again, I think we need to mature and we need to mature fast. Yeah, the Bible, the Bible clearly commands against that stuff. You know, I follow Paul. I follow Paul. You know, all this, exactly. all this stuff. And we're That's seeing exactly that today. right, Josh. Yep. And this is a this is a this is a manifest a manifestation of exactly that. Yep. So. Um, before I before we get into what I call the alien question, um, the, there are three things that I identify that uh, are going to lead to the revealing of Apollo, the inauguration of the new golden age, and the battle of Armageddon. And the battle of uh, the battle of Armageddon is the end game. That's the end game. Okay. And um, these three things are going to come to pass with the confluence of three essential components. And I'm reading from my book here, which we, we may visualize as the conjunction of three equidistant circles defined as follows. Number one, the new religion, the establishment of a new religion that impels men to become like the gods. That's apotheotheism. Number two, the alien threat, the disclosure of a hostile alien presence and the arrival of the golden race. And number three, the post-human paradigm, the development of green technologies and the emergence of post-humanity. When these, three, when these three components converge, I write, the end times will be upon us. And I, and I, and I strongly believe that. So in my book, I talk about, I have a chapter on the alien threat. Understand right off the bat, that when I talk about aliens, particularly the, the, the greys in this, in this chapter, this is a threat. These are not good guys. These are not angels. I'm not saying that grey aliens are angels, quite the contrary. And neither do I believe they're demons. They are a threat. And uh, I believe that it's going to become manifest, manifest at some point in the future. I don't know when, but we're, we're obviously heading towards this, this moment in time, whether people like it or not. Um, there will disclosure is happening on a very slow strain in a very slow, strange way right now. And I believe that the grace and, and, and 
we're already kind of getting this flavor out of what's coming out in the news. There's a threat. That's what's kind of being the, the, the it's not that these are our wonderful space brothers. No, even in the main, like you watch Tucker Carlson, you watch some of these uh, mainstream news organizations that are beginning to acknowledge and recognize not just UFOs, but non-human extraterrestrial, a non-human extraterrestrial presence. These are the terms that are being used right now by the Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's being presented in the context of a threat, a military threat. And I believe that the greys represent the greatest threat we've ever seen. Um, and it, 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 and this is going to play into the coming of Apollo, who is an impersonator of Christ. And Apollo is going to deliver us from this threat because nobody else can. And we're going to be faced with, with a situation that is insurmountable. And it will be a clear and present danger. Uh, and we'll be so far along the line, uh, we'll be so far down the line in this in this scenario that uh, we'll be facing we'll be facing a disastrous situation for the human race on planet Earth. And we are going to need to be saved. Mankind will need the intervention of an extra of a of a of a uh, benevolent extraterrestrial force to intervene on our behalf and to save us from this threat. That's the way I frame it in my book. And that extraterrestrial force, I believe, is going to be Apollo, the revealing of Apollo and his consort, the golden race. And we didn't talk about the golden race in the first couple of uh, interviews, but uh, in the golden age, when the gods dwelt among men and copulated with human women, they gave birth to their hybrid offspring, who were called the golden race. And so Apollo and his consort and his consorts will be the golden race. They will be the offspring, in my opinion, they will be the offspring, the half-breed offspring of the dragon and his princess. And they will arrive to save you, to deliver humanity from this threat, from this alien threat. And the and the and the threat that is is that we're facing is is specifically from a faction called the Greys. And I go into this in my book into great de detail. It's the longest chapter in my book. And I, I take a lot of time to unpack um, what I mean when I talk about these alien beings and who they are, at least to some extent. And but more importantly, what they're doing, what the Greys are doing, and um, this is we're, we're not when we talk about the abduction program, uh, we're not we're not really in a realm of speculation here. This is not a realm of speculation. This is not a realm of conjecture. Um, it, 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 this is a this is a realm of scientific fact at this point. The abduction phenomenon is a phenomenon which has been verified scientifically. It has physical evidence, an abundance of physical evidence. It has every kind of evidence that, that, that you would need to present in a court of law. Right. You can prove um, inexorably that the abduction phenomenon is real. It is 
physical. It is not a spiritual phenomenon. It is a corporeal phenomenon in every way. And it is happening. Uh, and it is the it's the biggest deal happening on planet Earth right now. It's the it's it's the it's there's nothing more important, more shocking, more disturbing than the abduction phenomenon. It is being conducted by a race of entities that are insect in the words of uh, Dr. Jacobs, um, who are insect who are insectoline in appearance, and they have a a workforce of small, bulbous headed almond-shaped, black-eyed entities who are referred to as the greys. And again, this is not a realm of conjecture. This is a proven fact. If you read the right material, and the right material has been written and documented by PhD-level scientists, not by, you know, just random people on the internet, something like that. Do not conflate and this is the first thing I want people to understand when we talk about the abduction phenomenon. Do not conflate abductees with contactees. Mm-hmm. Do not conflate the, phys- the, the, the physical experience of an abduction episode with any other kind of supernaturalism. Because we're talking about two different things. Um, contactees and abductees are not in the same category. Contactees are individuals who claim to be an ongoing contact with ETs, that they're getting, you know, spiritual information, they're getting um, uh, metaphysical concepts that are being um, dictated to them. Usually it involves automatic writing. It's just another, it's just another aspect of what's called spiritualism. Right. Contacting the dead, uh, seances, um, it's necromancy it, to some degree. It's, it's, it's a form of spiritualism. Um, there's no proof. These people have no proof to their claims. They, 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 most of them are in it for fame. They're looking to make money. They go around speaking at conferences and they have, you know, they want, they they feel that they are intermediaries between, you know, are these, these benevolent extraterrestrials and the human race. And that we're all that, that the human, they're trying to raise our awareness, these contactees. So and, and this is what they believe their mission is to raise the awareness of human beings on planet earth so that we can integrate into the galactic brotherhood. And, you know, there's different, there's different um, permutations of this, but very but new age. That's, yeah. It's very new agey. And please understand it has nothing to do with abductees, right? Abductees come from every walk of life. There are abductees who are generals in the armed forces. There are abductees who are doctors, who are psychiatrists, abductees who are probably working in the White House right now. There are abductees who are white collar, blue collar from every walk of life. They all want the experience to stop. None of them like it. None of them are excited about it. And most of them are too ashamed or afraid to come forward with their uh, with their experiences. The last thing they want is, is, is exposure is to publicize their experiences. And a lot of the ones that do co- have come forward in the past do so under pseudonyms and to keep, to keep their, their, um, their identity a secret. You know, you don't want to be a high level investment banker or something or wall street guy. And suddenly you find, have your colleagues find out that you are claiming that you're being abducted. Right. You know, the, 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 those are the abductees. They have they have physical evidence of their abductions episodes. Um, 
They Most of them, if not all of them, have been being abducted since they were toddlers. Abduction is hereditary. It's hereditary. And if your par- one of your parents is an abductee, then you are also an abductee. And and it and it, it cuts across every religion, every race, every culture, and the experience of the abductee is exactly the same wherever you are. You can you can interview an abductee from India who lives in the jungle, and an abductee from Indiana in the United States, and they are going to relate the exact same stuff, more or less. They're going to relate the same stuff. The only way that you don't understand this is if you conflate abductees with contactees. Once you conflate those two, then there's a lot of mystique and mystery and what is this is it spiritual is it physical but when you separate those two phenomenons the one which i think is is an, is an invented phenomenon and the other one which is a physical reality happening to millions and millions and millions of people across the globe um, on a continual basis um so i want to make that very clear and i and i, and I make that case uh, in my book and, you know, there's I kind of always joke with people when I talk about my book. There's a little something to offend everybody in my book, I think. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just say it like I see it and and uh, unapologetically. So you cannot take the the, the kind of um, scholarly scientific work that guys like like David Jacobs, uh, Bud Hopkins and John Mack and others, Tar- Carla Turner, have done. All of these people are university trained, very, very, very intelligent um, people. Uh, you can't take their years of research, uh, collectively interviewing tens of thousands of abductees, all coming to basically the same conclusions with some variations in, 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 in some facets. But in terms of the details, um, coming to the same conclusion, you can't take these people's research and just throw it in the garbage right. and say, oh, it's just all spiritual. It's just demons. You can't do that. You can't you can't be intellectually honest and do that is what I mean. And so uh, it, these the, this material, the, the, this material, the legitimate abduction research material must be taken into consideration and, and taken seriously. You know, I myself have interviewed multiple abductees from different walks of life and have found the same the same um, the same details, have been able to extract the same details as these other guys uh, and gals. And so uh, this is a real phenomenon. It is a physical phenomenon. And so the big controversial question, I guess, is the big controversy with Tim Alvarino that's floating around on the Internet is Tim Alvarino doesn't believe that aliens are demons. No, I don't. And guess what? Neither do most of you. Neither do most of you. Because most of this audience knows what demons are. They know well by now. Because of guys like you and Derek Gilbert and people have done great work. They know that demons are the disembodied spirits of the giants from the pre-flood age. Right? Right. We know that. We all know that. You say it, I say it, Derek Gilbert says it, Mike Heiser says it, Steve Quayle says it, Tom Horn says it. We all say it because L.A. Marsuli says it. We all know what demons are. They are specifically the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. That's what they are. They're not, they're, they're, and that's, that's what they are, and that's all they are. And, you know, there's... Um, these these entities that have been they, they've been they've been banished from the from the uh, corporeal world. They're 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 
They're, they're wandering the earth as vagabond wraiths, these spirits of the Nephilim, condemned. They're cursed. You know what it is, Josh? It's like, I hate to make movie re references, but I, I always get irritated when people make mo too many movie references to try and make their point, but I can't help it. It's like it's 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 like the movie uh, um, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it's the first one, right, where they had the curse because they took that gold and they're cursed. And and what was their curse? They had to wander the the seas as vagabond wraiths. They couldn't eat. They couldn't drink. They couldn't they couldn't interact with the corporeal world. That was their curse. And what did they want? What do you remember? What the Captain Barbosa wanted? Remember holding the apple, right? What do you want? He wanted to bite into that apple. That was what he, that's all he wanted. He didn't want the gold and all that. He just wanted to be able to bite into that apple, to be able to, to feel once again the, the, the fabric of the material world and fill his gut because he's hungry. He's hungry and he can't, he can hold the apple, but he can't eat it. Right? Well, that's the Nephilim. That's a, that's a really great depiction, actually, of the curse of the Nephilim. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. And like what we talked about before, you know, some of the best movies are the ones that actually draw on the true story, you know, because I think that we all kind of have it in our in our spirits or psyche or whatever. We all have um, the, this the these stories kind of embedded in us. And so when we hear it portrayed, I, I think that's part of the reason that movie was so popular. And all the best movies, you know, draw on uh, these ancient themes of, of these these true exactly. stories and things that really happened. Exactly. And so and so if we know that that's the curse of the Nephilim, and we know that, you know that, I know that, and your audience knows that. Your audience knows who the demons are. They're the they're the they're the hybrid offspring of the of the watchers and and human women from the pre-flood age. You know that audience listening to us, you know that. OK, remind yourself, you know that. Now I want you to envision a gray alien. The bulbous head the almond-shaped black eyes, the spindly limbs and body, and most importantly, the disposition of the gray alien, which is robotic, stoic, okay? Then I want you to imagine the disposition of the, of the, of the demon, of the demons. We know what the disposition of demons is. We see them in the New Testament. They're foaming from the mouth, writhing around on the ground, screaming. These are, these are entities that are rabid, right? We know that. And in many cases, Jesus tells them, be quiet, right? And, and these entities are, 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 why do they inhabit our bodies? Because they want, through our bodies, they're, they're parasites. I, I refer to them as, as I, I liken them to parasites in, in, my, in my book. They want to inhabit our bodies so that they can, through our biology, eat and drink and, 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 and interact with the material world again, because from which they have been banished. It's their curse. They're like... They're like Barbosa in the movie who wants to eat the apple. And the only way that they can eat the apple is to get inside of us and do it through our biology. And that is all they want. They don't, I don't believe that they have these machinations and they're inhabiting certain world leaders to, you know, no, these are rabid entities. They only want one thing. They want to be in a body, preferably a human body, to experience to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's their curse. God cursed them. That's all they want. And 
And so I don't believe that the spirits of the Nephilim are involved in some conspiracy. Maybe they're being used to some degree, certainly. Okay. But I don't believe that they are the ones who have this machination, this grand conspiracy to do anything. If all, if you're, if you're like Barbosa and all you want is to eat that apple, your mind 24 seven, all you're thinking about is eating that apple. Right. And you're, everything you do, everything, all of your activities, your purpose is going to be to get inside of a human body. Not to position yourself and climb up the political ranks to become the president and the demon inhabiting a president. No, you just want to. You want to interact with the material world. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like I, trying to use a drug addict as a soldier or something. Exactly, it's not going to work. Exactly, Josh. That's a great. That's a great way to think of it. It's like taking a, a meth head. Hey, hey, meth head. Uh, you want to run for office? <laughs> how, how how effective would a meth head be as a congressman? He didn't care. You think he cares about making policy or writing up some bill? All he cares about is getting his next hit. Okay, that is the curse. Remember, the curse of the Nephilim, of the, the spirits, these wraiths that are wandering the, the earth. Okay, they're very real and they're very dangerous and they're terrifying. Anybody's ever in, in, encountered a demon possessed person, like super demon possessed? It's terrifying. Okay, I'm not making light of these things. These things are bad, and they're scary. But that's what they are. And again, your audience, the people listening to me right now, know that's true. They know it. Okay. Again, let's return to this visage of the gray alien with the bulbous head. Gray aliens are stoic. They have no will of their own. They're stoic creatures. They don't even have reproductive organs that we can, that anyone can identify, okay? They don't even eat and drink in the way that we do. Most people think, most of the researchers believe they absorb nutrients through their skin or through pellets in their mouth, okay? These entities, you couldn't, and I, I forget the way I say it in my book, but, but, if you were to sit down and think, what 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 kind of a creature could I fabricate that would be the most unappealing for a demon to inhabit? It would be a gray alien. They don't have any sexual organs. They can't even eat and drink. They're stoic. They're robotic. They don't even have really a will of their own. They're like drones. And their only task, 24-7, is the abduction program, the retrieval and the processing of abductees. That's it. Not eating and drinking and rolling around in a cave, scratching yourself and fornicating and doing whatever like the Gadarene demoniac, right? Right. No. We know what a demoniac looks like. A demoniac, I don't know if you've ever encountered a demon-possessed person, Josh. You probably have. Yeah. I have in Peru, believe me. They don't look like or act like a gray alien. Quite the opposite. So you're telling me for some because there's some people who believe that gray aliens are like suits and it's an interesting concept, but and that demons inhabit the gray aliens and uh, but you're telling me that there's Nephilim spirits ravening, uh, ravenous, uh, um, carnal, lustful, hungry, thirsty spirits in a gray alien. Picture this, okay? And I, I hate to get crude here, but picture this. Gray alien, a little body of a gray alien who is surrounded by sometimes hundreds of naked people, unconscious or not unconscious. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like hypnotized uh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm laying on tables, and you're a, you're a demonized. These gray aliens are full of demons, 
And you you don't even have sexual organs to fulfill your. I mean, I hate to get so graphic, but you don't you don't even have sexual organs. Why would demons want to be in that thing? They'd want to get out of that thing really fast. It's a good point. And why would they stay in that thing and not go into people who are on the tables instead? I mean, you know, it's just it doesn't make sense. It is literally. I'm sorry. Things have to make sense. Um, you know, a, a, a theory has to be plausible. And it's not plausible that gray aliens are demons. It's not plausible. And I'm and I'm and the audience knows it. If they think about it, use your brain, think about it, slow down, stop being afraid of the word alien, slow down, hit the brakes, understand what a what a demon is, what what the what these wraith spirits are from the Nephilim, and understand what a gray alien is, and understand that these two things are not compatible. They're not compatible. And there's no evidence at all that they're that they're related. There's not. One is a ravenous foaming from the mouth creature. The other is a stoic robotic entity without sexual organs. Okay, and without a will of its own. Very calm. These are very calm beings too. The grace. These are not uh, demonic. You know, get in your face and and try and frighten you. These are very calm beings. They're not good. I'm not saying they're good. They're not good. Nothing, I would never call anything that comes and forcibly takes you from your bedroom and, and brings you up onto, a, onto their vessel. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you're a woman, extracts ova from you. And if you're a man, semen, that's not a good, uh, that's not, a, there's nothing good about that. That's nefarious. Right. And so these beings, are they demonic in their, in their, in their machinations? In their, is their program demonic? Sure. Yes, they're evil. I will say they're evil. What they're doing is evil. What they're doing is subversive. These are enemies. But they're not demons. And and if people get upset by that. I'm sorry, man. You gotta you have to logically deduce things. Don't think with your emotions. Think with your brain, not with your emotions. And that's uh, the people have a knee-jerk reaction because they're so used to to to, to contemplating a, a demon. Uh, aliens as demons that there's an emotional response if somebody says no they're not they're not demons there's there's just like there's this they want to just leap at you because they've been conditioned and they're so comfortable with the idea that an alien is a demon and when you take that comfort blanket away and you're kind of exposed to this new cold reality that uh oh wait a minute maybe they're not demons and so uh oh what are they some you know what i'm gonna tell you something it, it's having your paradigm expanded or broken apart and reassembled is not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. When your paradigm is broken up and reassembled, it's like your muscles. It doesn't feel good when you go in the gym and, and rip your bicep apart. That's right. what you're doing when you're lifting weight. When you're curling a weight, you're ripping your bicep apart. It doesn't feel good, right? Uh, and then afterwards, it's sore and it hurts. But guess what? When it heals... It builds up bigger and stronger. And that's like a paradigm. It doesn't feel good to expand your paradigm or to have it busted up. But when your paradigm is enlarged and enlightened and grows and is matured, it, 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 that's a good feeling. Because now you can begin to understand things and contemplate things without fear. And, and, and what, it, what it leads to is you become not just smarter, you become wiser. 
and you're and 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 what I tell everyone and what you must do and what this is what my book's about. You anchor yourself in the gospel of Christ. You that's your anchor, the gospel of Christ. And everything else is 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 kind of moving pieces and parts, right? That are falling into place and you're rearranging. You're kind of re- re- rearranging the theological furniture in your mind, right? But your anchor is the gospel. Your foundation is the gospel of Christ. So long story short, no, aliens are not demons. They're not. There is no proof. There is no evidence that aliens are demons. And uh, what are aliens? Aliens are aliens. They're not us. Remember our definition of aliens? They're not us. They're not us. So they are, therefore, by definition, alien. They're alien to us. They're not us. Now, are they extraterrestrial? I don't know. I think so. I'm of the opinion that they are. I don't know. For all I know, they they come from under the ground. I don't know. You know, I think that that's a, that's a very interesting question, and 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 it's it's certainly worth contemplation. And and who knows? Are they extraterrestrial? They're certainly alien, though. Um. So, and and by the way, if you read the book, I lay all of this out, and um, I think I encourage people to look at the material, the good material. Stop looking at, stop looking at contactee garbage. Don't read contactee garbage. Don't conflate these contactees, these new age contactees with abductees. Don't do it. It's a, it's a disservice to abductees, number one. When you do that, you really, it's, a, it's an offense. If I were an abductee, I'd be pretty offended by that. Don't mix me with those people. You know, don't mix me with those new age looms. I'm suffering and I'm I'm not. But but if I were if I were an abductee, I'd, I'd be pretty ticked about that. Because you because abductees are going through physical experiences. Listen, let me just read this really quick, Josh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dr. Mack, a Pulitzer Prize winner and former head of the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, maintained that in order to challenge the reality of alien abduction, an alternative psychiatric theory would have to account for the following five dimensions of the phenomenon. One, the high degree of consistency of detailed abduction accounts reported with emotion appropriate to actual experiences told by apparently reliable observers. Number one. Number two, the absence of psychiatric illness or other apparent psychological or emotional factors that could account for what is being reported. Number three, the physical changes and lesions uh, affecting the bodies of the experiencers, which follow no evident psychodynamic pattern. Number four, the association with UFOs witnessed independently by others while abductions are taking place, which the abductee may, may not see. Five, the reports of abductions by children as young as two or three years of age. That's Dr. Mack, who is a psychiatrist. Now, Dr. Jacobs. As a historian, Dr. Jacobs was trained to methodically analyze events in sequence from a pragmatic and nonpartisan point of view. Like Dr. Mack, he offered a list of facts that must be accounted for in the formulation of an alternative explanation that seeks to gainsay the physical reality of the phenomenon. So for people who want to contest that the phenomenon, who want to argue with me that the phenomenon is not physical, you have to account for the following. And this is from Dr. David Jacobs. When people are abducted, 
they are physically missing from their normal environment. People are sometimes abducted in groups and can confirm each other's reports. Bystanders sometimes see people being abducted. When returned to their normal environment after an abduction, people often have marks, cuts, bruises, broken bones, and even fully formed scars, a biological impossibility that were not there before the abduction. When returned, people sometimes have their clothes on inside out or backward, they are, or they are wearing someone else's clothes. In these cases, they clearly remember dressing themselves correctly beforehand. Most of what abductees describe has no antecedents in popular culture. Abductions occur at all times of the day and night, depending on access to the abductees and when they will be least missed. Abductees need not be sleeping. Abductions begin in, abductions begin in childhood and continue with varying frequency into old age. There's two more. The abduction phenomenon is intergenerational. The children of abductees often themselves report being abductees, as do their children. And the final one, abductions are unrelated to alcohol or drugs. Now, there is a contention, there's a popular contention that abductees, that abductions are spiritual experiences because we come to find out that sometimes people who are on psychedelics uh, or mind-altering drugs sometimes see gray aliens or have encounters with alien beings. What people fail to realize is that when you are abducted, you have a screen. Most of the time, the, 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 the aliens, the grays, implant a screen memory. So they hide the abduction experience, the real memories of the abduction experience behind a screen of false memories. And to get to the real memories, you have to bypass the false memories. When you bypass the false memories, the real memories start to surface, which is usually pretty dramatic for people. Um, however, there are ways to bypass those false memories. One of the ways to bypass the false memories, I believe, is through mind-altering drugs. I don't suggest that people do mind-altering drugs. I think it's dangerous. I would never do it. But people who do take mind-altering drugs, uh, such as ayahuasca in the Amazon, can bypass the screen memory. And when you bypass the screen memory, guess what you're going to begin to see? The faces of your abductors. You're going to begin to encounter um, uh, the figures of your abductors and, 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 and bits and pieces of memories related to your abduction episodes. And I believe that is what is happening to people when they're on these psychedelic trips. Um, so it's, again, I think... We do, we do abductees a disservice when we try and wave away their experiences as spiritual or, or metaphysical. Oh, no, 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 this, don't worry, it's just spiritual metaphysical. Now, let me make this very clear. Being an abductee has no bearing whatsoever on your faith in Christ. Zero. Zero. An abductee who is a Christian is no less of a Christian or it doesn't have any weaker faith than a Christian who's not being abducted. Zero bearing on your faith in Christ. In the same way that if somebody's abducted, uh, something that you know a lot about, by a human trafficker. Right. The person who's abducted by a human trafficker, if that person's a Christian, that, that's no indication of their faith or lack thereof in Christ. They are, they are a victim of an abduction. 
And an alien abduction is very similar to an abduction of any other kind. You're being forcibly taken from your bedroom or wherever you happen to be, and you are being subjected to invasive procedures, some of which are sexual in nature. And then in, in, the, in the case of an alien abduct, uh, abduction, you're, you're at least you're put back. Whereas in the case of a, of, a, of a human trafficking scenario, you're lucky if you ever get home. Right. So I think people need to think of alien abductions more, liken them more to uh, being abducted by, by sexual traffickers, by sex traffickers, rather than some kind of a spiritual experience. And people say, well, the orbs and this and that. Look, the orbs, I think it's I think it's clear, but this is my opinion. The orbs that people see often before an abduction, people will see orbs in their bedroom or something. Those are probes. Those are like drones. That's technology. And people who are abductees often have reoccurring dreams of being floating in a prone position through their walls or up through their ceilings or through their windows. Um, and this is because the, the technology employed, it's technology employed by the, by the aliens is, is a technology which allows for the transport of your body. I don't believe through walls or up through ceilings, by the way, I believe only through windows. And there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, very interesting evidence that abductees really only go through windows. They remember going through walls and ceilings because of the, the experience is so traumatic. But when you actually boil it down, there's, there's good reason to believe, when you actually take a look at, at the evidence, there's good reason to believe that, that abductees only go through windows hmm. when they're transported, levitated and transported out of a house. And that only happens, by the way, only happens when there is a craft in proximity. So if the craft is in proximity, what happens is it shines a light through a window. If you are being abducted from a room that does not have windows, the alien, the little grays take you, usually lead you by the hand through your house into a room that does have a window. And then you're taken through the window, through this beam of light. That's technology. Now, we don't understand that technology, but it's technology. We can contemplate it because we, we have things like Star Trek and Star Wars, and we can contemplate that kind of technology, but we don't understand it yet. So and when, when the craft is not in proximity, the abductees are usually taken by the hand. Sometimes they're levitated. Sometimes they're floated. Usually taken by the hand, by these little beings. So if you have reoccurring dreams of holding hands of like toddler things, and you're being led through your house, you know, down the stairs, through the kitchen, out the front door, through the front yard, through the field in the backyard, through the woods, out into a field where the craft has landed. And you're led up into the craft. So, and the reason why that's done is because the craft is not in proximity. It's not deploying this technology that allows you to be transported through the window. And what I'm trying to demonstrate here is that this is a physical experience being conducted by corporeal creatures. These are these are not good guys. These are these are not. This is it is nefarious, and the and the and the purpose of it is to it's a breeding program, and it's the the purpose is to create a hybridized race of of beings, who are, who are part human, part alien. They look like us, but they retain 
the remarkable uh, um, psychokinetic capabilities of the aliens, the telepathic kinetic, uh, capabilities of the aliens. Very scary scenario because basically you have like, again, to use a movie reference, you have like Sith Lords walking around who look like us, but who have very, very potent uh, telepathic capabilities. And their objective, they're, they're like, they're agents, they're secret agents on the earth that look like us, but that are not us. And their sole objective is to operate uh, um, in conformance with the plan of the of the of the insectilins. This sounds like science fiction. This sounds like crazy stuff. I'm telling you, just do the homework. Stay away from the junk material from contactees and all the bogus garbage on the internet. Read the materials from these lettered professors, from these the, the historians, the psychiatrists, the the university. In the case of Carla Turner, um, the, the university trained uh, researchers. Go to that material. Because that's where the evidence is, the kind of evidence that that would pass in a court of law, not people's visions and dreams and whatever. That's all nice. But I'm talking about the evidence. Go to the evidence and then make your judgment. Don't listen to me talking and say I'm a heretic or whatever because you don't like what I'm saying. Go to the evidence, read the evidence and then make your draw your conclusion. And I did. And I and, or read my book, the chapter on the alien threat, because I I lay out the evidence in, in this chapter. And it's it's time to get in front of this stuff because it's coming, whether you like it or not. It's here. What I really appreciate, uh, you know, about you and the, the way that you write your book and the way that, uh, you know, you explain these things is if people will just listen at the very least, someone has would have to admit, if they're going to be reasonable, logical, and truthful, they would have to at least admit, I see where Tim's coming from, you know, even if they don't agree. And the reason I'm saying that is because I know for a fact, for one thing, I'm going to put this up unedited, so, you know, I'm not going to remove anything that you say, but I also know for a fact uh, that I'm going to get messages about it, and I probably will have people that break off contact with me over this, which I think is incredibly immature, and if somebody is going to do that because of something like this, then I say, well, I don't see how we were really friends anyway, uh, because that is a ridiculous thing to stake a friendship on, uh, but if, if people will just listen and, and like you said, not have this emotional knee-jerk reaction to it. Just listen. There at least is a reason. Uh, there, there at least is, is a, a legitimate reason. You bring, up, you bring up legitimate concerns. You bring up reasons to believe uh, that these things are not demons. They're still demonic, like you said, which I do want to ask you about. Uh, because I, I want to ask you about uh, like these, these, the history of these things, how they got mixed up in this uh, satanic war. And there, there's a lot more to talk about. And I know some of that's going to be speculation, but uh, I, do want to, I do want to talk about that. But, but before that, um, that... There, there, there will be people that have that that reaction, and it's like, look, if you just listen, there's nothing that's threatening to the gospel here. There's nothing that's going to damage anybody here unless they're kind of already a weak Christian, and if that's the case, that's more of the fault of the church. You know, wh why haven't we as Christians been preparing people to hear out other points of view on a matter that is as mysterious as as this is? You know, that that is as you know to use the word, no pun intended, but it, that is as alien as, as this is. You know, it's something that's completely outside of our normal uh, human experience. 
So where, where as Christians, where do we get off leading the church thinking that we already know everything about it and it is exactly this one interpretation, it can't be anything else, and if you dare even think that it might be anything else, and, and especially if you dare open your mouth to express your opinion and ask good questions, if you dare do that, well, then you're a heretic and, and we're going to break off fellowship. I mean, that to me is just so immature, it's so ridiculous, it has no place in ministry. You know, I... I, I this is something that we as Christians should be having open conversations, even debates, you know, friendly debates, I think, are good. Uh, we, but we should be open and, and realize that, you know, what, whatever the correct interpretation really is, and whoever has it, we're all still brothers in Christ. Because, like you said, Tim, the, the gospel is the most important thing. That is the thing that we hinge everything on, not our inter- interpretations of aliens. Although that is a uh, an interesting thing, and it's very important, especially to those who have been abused by these things, whatever they are. It still isn't something that defines our faith. Yet there are Christians out there who, and not only the alien question, but many other things, they will let these things be the one the one thing where they, they hold it above the gospel, where they say, you know what, this is more important than God's commandment of loving each other and, you know, and also loving God. Uh, I don't want to love my brother in Christ because uh, he's just not a brother in Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't agree that uh, on this demonic alien thing. So that that must mean he's not a true believer. I don't have to love him. And there we go. That's a very convenient excuse for people to hold. But I know I'm going to get messages on it and I, I can pretty much predict exactly what they're going to say. So I'm just saying for everybody right now, you may as well not even bother because all it's going to do is annoy me if you have if you have that attitude. And if if that is the attitude, and I don't mean don't ask questions. If you just have a question about it, then by all means message me. I, I would love to talk about it. But if you're going to have the attitude that Tim's not a real Christian, he's a he's a heretic. Why would you have someone on your show, Josh, that is talking about this? I don't agree with it. You know, if, if you're going to have that attitude. You, you may, and if you're if you're heading towards the, the the path of breaking off fellowship with me over it, you may as well just do it and not say anything to me about it because I'm not going to change my mind in allowing people to express their opinions on this stuff. I want to hear all sides of uh, this this strange phenomenon. I want to know what's going on, and I don't think that we can do that if we just pick one side, stick with that, and then never hear anybody else. I think that's foolish and immature. It's like people right now who are upset with the Democrats because we, we know, we know, those of us who are not Democrats, that, 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 the, that this election was stolen. We know it was. We see proof of it. We see you know, Giuliani out there, um, uh, Powell out there, and others uh, uh, presenting proof. And so we're saying, look at the proof. Look at the evidence. Look at what they're actually saying. Look at the sworn affidavits, right? And what do the Democrats say? Their minds There's are already no proof, made up. Proof. That's not proof. This isn't, no, 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 this isn't. That's what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. People who are looking at me saying, oh, no, no, Tim's wrong. This is demonic. It's a, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Okay? Read the material. Look at the evidence. Read my book. Because if you think that I'm a heretic, if you read my book and think that I'm a heretic, then maybe you're the heretic. Because... Because this is, I lay out the gospel in this book from start to finish. And my purpose in this book was to help people solidify their faith in Christ. Not, not, not cause people to waver in their faith. If you, you read my book to its conclusion, you're going to see 
that my objective is to solidify people's faith in Christ, to get people got grounded in the gospel of Christ so that they're ready for the things that are coming, including the alien threat, including these paradigm-busting realities that are coming. That's my purpose. So before you go and call me a heretic or something, read my book to its conclusion. Yes. And, and, and it, look at the evidence. Listen to the argument. React with your mind, not with your emotions. Grow up. And I say that to myself, too. I've had to do a lot of growing up. I'm, yeah. The things I'm saying right now to the audience is the things I, I've had to tell myself. I need to grow up. I still need to grow up. I need to react with my mind and not with my emotions. I need to consume information, look for the truth, um, uh, weed out the, 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 the evidence from things that are, that are coming from sources that are unreliable. And I'm not saying sources like Josh and Derek and Tom and Steve. Those are reliable sources. Those are very good sources and, 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 and all those guys. I'm talking about the new age crap online. Those are the sources that I'm saying. Don't, don't, don't listen to the, um, don't listen to the uh, new agers. Don't listen to the uh, contactees. Just shut all that crap up. Listen to the PhD guys. Listen to the people who know how to do real research, who interview thousands of abductees, who have their, their careers on the line researching this stuff. Look at the evidence. And if you're not willing to do that, then you don't really have the right to opine on this subject. Or at least, or at least your opinion really doesn't matter because you haven't done the homework. Right. And once you've done the homework, then you can say, you know what, I've looked at it. Okay, but I still think they're demons. Okay, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. That's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that. I have the problem with the people who lash out emotionally. Yes. Um, who are immature and all they all they are is divisive. Right. That's all they are is divisive. They think they're holding some kind of a biblical standard, you know, but really all they're being is divisive and immature and and um and to some degree, un, in, in, unintelligent because they haven't done the homework. So, um, and that is a that again, that is an admonition to all of us. Not 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 picking on anybody. That's oh, an right. admonition to me. If I've got a problem, I got to look at the. I have to understand somebody's position. If I got a problem with something you said or written, I need to take the time to understand your position. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and if I don't, then I don't. I don't have the right really to opine because I don't understand your position. All I'm going to do is sow discord. Otherwise, and those who sow discord are not op are not operatives for the kingdom of heaven. Quite the opposite. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Paul said to stay away from revilers, and that's what a reviler is. It's somebody who's verbally abusive and and and, and divisive like that, and and who who says that they're just standing up for God in the Bible, but they're really not. They're standing up for their own interpretations or their own opinions. Because if you don't validate it, then to them, it's it's like a personal attack. You know, even if they don't see it that way, that's exactly how they're projecting it. And, and you know, and I want to make very clear what I said before because I know some people are gonna. Uh, uh, mishear it or misconstrue it and say that I'm saying something that I didn't say. I'm not saying break off fellowship if you don't agree, you know, with him or with me or it, it, like, cause right now, me, I, I'm, this is me doing my homework. You know, I want to hear all sides of this, uh, issue. And I know that I cannot get a full grasp on the whole UFO problem unless I hear all sides, unless I hear out all evidences and all interpretations of evidences and decide which, which goes best with reality, which can be tossed out, which goes be best with the, the, the Bible. We have to be able to hear out all things because I can't just invent every 
interpretation in my own mind to consider it. I need other people for that. And so what, what I'm getting at is, is, you know, if you disagree, fine. You know, you're, 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 you're not any more or less of a Christian if you, if you just simply disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to agree. You don't have to disagree. You know, look, like Tim said, look at the evidence yourself. And then, you know, wh- wherever you decide is, is the best uh, to, to, to make sense of all of it, then, you know, go with God, go with that, but have the humility to not break off contact or break off uh, fellowship with other people who disagree. And then that, that's what I'm saying. If somebody is going to watch this video and say, well, I need to, I need to message Josh right away because, uh, I can't believe that he would, he would promote this kind of stuff mm-hmm. on his show. And I have gotten messages like that. I've gotten messages like that from friends of mine, even. And I'm, I'm just saying, don't, bother because I don't believe I'm doing anything wrong by by entertaining a possibility, especially on something like this. It's not like we're talking about anything that's anti-gospel. I would be wrong if I had somebody, unless I was witnessing to them, but if I had somebody on to, okay, tell us how Jesus isn't the Messiah or something like that. Okay, then I can see you got a point. You know, that would be wrong, unless I'm bringing that person on to witness to them or do a debate or something. But um, if I was if I was upholding that as like a legitimate possibility, then I'm in error, then that that's that's a uh, heretical. But something like this, I, I'm saying if 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 you're so threatened by that and you're wanting to message me privately and, and say, you know, Josh, you were in error, you're going to be uh, hurting Christians, or I can't believe that you would have Tim on to, to talk about this, I can no longer fellowship with you, then if you're going to have that attitude, my, the, my request is don't bother messaging me, just break off fellowship, let it be your decision to do that. Don't, don't, don't make it sound like it's something I'm doing because it's not. Because uh, I'm totally open to all possibilities with this. I, I, I have no interest in breaking off contact with somebody who, uh, or fellowship who agrees or, or disagrees on, on this issue. I, I think that it's wise for us all to, to ex- examine the evidence. I believe Tim has done that. I know that Tim has looked at, uh, all of the possibilities because he writes about them in his book. And this is what, this is the conclusion he came to. And I see where he's coming from. And so all I'm saying, is like, look, we as Christians, especially in these end times, we have to be open to looking at possibilities, even if we have an emotional reaction at first, because we don't know if the end times are going to play out this way. You know, like, for example, I'm personally, I'm a pre-tribulation rapture guy, but I am not at all dogmatic about that. I'm not threatened by any of the other uh, possibilities. They might be right. It might be post-trib. And if it is, I want to be prepared for that, you know. And so if I start seeing stuff happen that's like prophesied in the Bible that's supposed to be in the tribulation, then I'm going to think, okay, well, I was wrong about my pre-trib thing. I don't want to take the mark of the beast. (laughs) Josh, you have no obligation to placate people who are entrenched in tribalism. Right. None. Because you and I can say right now, the earth is round, mm-hmm. and you'll have how many people telling you they're <laughs> going to disassociate with you now and that we're heretics, okay? I mean, or you can say, I like Christmas. Same thing, <laughs> right? You yep. can say, make commentary on the tribulation. Same thing. Yep. Commentary on the feast days. Same thing. Or talk about aliens. It's the same garbage people in this community. And I'm going to say this, okay, because uh, I'm in this community. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. People in this community are getting too tribalistic. Yes. And they need to stop. It's ridiculous. And it's not increasing anybody's knowledge of anything. It's, it's, It's collectively making us all dumber. And we need to knock it off. You need to be able to have hold your own opinions without accusing other people of being shills or Illuminati or Masons. 
uh, or deep state or whatever, or deep fakes. That is infantile. We must mature. We must grow in the knowledge of Christ, in the knowledge of the gospel, and in the knowledge of the things that are happening on the earth, and do it in a way that increases our cohesion as believers, not in a way that causes us to fraction off into all these different camps. Screw tribalism. I don't have any time for it. I don't have any patience for it. And, and I commend you, Josh, because you don't either. I, don't, I won't placate to any of you out there. I won't placate to flat earthers. I won't placate to the people who celebrate the feasts. I won't placate to people who think Christmas is pagan. I don't care. And your positions don't make me angry. You can hold those positions all day long. I don't mind. It doesn't offend me. Right. But I'm not going to placate to you. I've got my own opinions. I've got my own worldview. I'm anchored in the gospel. And I can fellowship with anybody who believes in the gospel of Christ. Amen. And, you know, and I, and I do. I sit around. I spend a lot of time sitting around smoking cigars, kicking around ideas with people who disagree with me, laughing and having a good time and, and, and ending the day, you know, uh, very much still friends. Yeah. And if you can't do that, it's because you're, you're, you're a child. You're a petulant child. Exactly. Sorry. Some of the best conversations I've ever had were with people, mature people who completely disagree with me, uh, but know how to have a conversation without it becoming an emotionally divisive kind of thing. I, I like hearing out other people's points of view. It's interesting to me. You know, it, it, it's it's one of those things that to me it makes life worth living. Uh, I, I I enjoy you know trying out different perspectives and seeing what fits best. It's all part of growing and learning. And I didn't always used to be like that. Like you, like you said before that, you know, you're, you're talking to yourself here in, in, in a lot of ways, I'm talking to myself too, because before I got into ministry, a couple of years before I got into ministry, a few years uh, before that, I, I was I was really spiritually immature, and I was absolutely the kind of person that would that would say that you're not a real Christian if you don't believe in this or that minor non-salvational thing. I was caught up in that, and I would actually go online and troll people. I didn't think that that's what I was doing. You know, I thought I was standing up for God and standing up for the Bible, and I, you know, <laughs> but but really, I was just being a prideful jerk. And so, like, I'm intimately aware of how that that mind process works. And there's a lot of people that are that have never broken out of it, and they're still in it today. Some of them are in ministry. Uh, some of them aren't. Some of them are are just kind of like self-proclaimed teachers on on YouTube that no one really follows and doesn't really have an impact. Some of them do have a big impact. And so one of the main things that I, I try to tell my audience is how to identify these people. Like I don't name names, but I, I, I do name like you know qualities that they'll see, certain certain things that you can pick out to find out if somebody is is really in this for the right reasons or if they're just kind of being prideful and they're in it for themselves. I mean, they're, they're easy to pick out, but but most importantly, I, I want to make sure that my audience um, who, who aren't already thinking like this don't become like this. They, 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 don't, they don't get pulled into this deception where they think that they have to, that this is how you stand up for the Bible. You're basically, you know, a trollish jerk online and you're denying the first two, uh, the most important commandments that Jesus said, love God and love each other. You know, I mean, the Bible says you, you can't even have the love of God if you don't love your brother. It's incredibly important. Um, I, I do want to uh, continue this. I want to talk more about the, um, the the history of these beings, how they got kind of mixed up in this satanic war. Uh, but... 
before we do, where can people follow you online and where can they find your book? You can follow me online by signing up for my mailing list at on timothyalbrino.com. Um, the sign-up form right now, it's at the bottom of the website. To go all the way to the bottom by the contact form. I'm going to move it. It's just there temporarily. Um, I haven't really done work on that website for a while. I've got to take a few days and, and, and revamp it. Um, so you can sign up for my mailing list, and I'll be sending out periodical um uh, updates and the stuff I'm doing. So I'm doing a lot of stuff right now, not just writing this, not, I, I, I completed this book, but I'm, I'm entrenched in some other projects too that are very interesting. Um, and you can get my book on Amazon. That's the only place it's being sold right now. And, and uh, it's currently a bestseller on Amazon. So um, uh, you just type my name in and it, you might, it should be the first thing that pops up. It's been sort of working its way up from like number 10 when you just write my, type my name in and now it's getting, Finally, I think, uh, up to the top of the list. So just type my name in, Timothy Albrino, Tim Albrino, or type in Tim Albrino Birthright on Amazon, and uh, and, and you'll find it. And it's still time. It's, you, you, people should be in time still to get copies before Christmas. Most of them are shipping. It's, it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have a, a Prime account, you should be able to get it before Christmas. Excellent. Sounds good. All it's, right. Hey, if you want, it's a good great gift if you want to... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say this. Uh, <laughs> if you got it, if you have a friend that uh, you want to maybe uh, uh, expose them to some paradigm busting, potentially offensive content, uh, uh, my book is a is a is a good tool for that. And I say offensive in the sense that you know, not offensive like in a bad way, but but content that really causes you to have to expand your paradigm, right? And and challenge some of your pre conceived notions right um, which is very healthy for everybody oh yeah yeah so it's only going to be offensive to those people who are are kind of more on the spiritually immature side and, and who, who don't enjoy um thinking about things outside of what they already believe if if you're stuck in that mindset then yeah i mean any any book that conflicts with anything you believe will be offensive but um if you're like me if you're if you're kind of open-minded you're not threatened and, and you, you just want to see what uh somebody else thinks and actually has a lot of good reasons a lot of good sources a lot of citations and things, uh, other rabbit trails to kind of go down. This this is an excellent, excellent uh, book, an excellent resource for that kind of thing. I highly suggest everybody go check it out. We got a lot more to talk about. I want to continue our discussion about the, these alien beings, uh, but we also have to talk about this new golden age that's coming, uh, the post-human paradigm where grin technologies uh, are going and, and how they're going to be utilized at the end of this age. And lastly, how the story of Jacob and Esau really tie this whole thing together. It is what this entire series has been heading towards. You don't want to miss it. Uh, it's incredibly powerful. Tim, I want to talk more about um, these these beings, these aliens. What what is uh, like? What's their history? And I know I know it's speculative because we don't really know, but we know our history. We know human history, sort of. Um, but what what is their history? What is their status? How did they get mixed up? If if they're not demons, but they are demonic. Did, were they always like that? Or did they start off as kind of us? And they, like, how, how does this, how does this all, how does this all work from like the moment of creation till today? Explain the universe, Tim. Huh. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think the best answer is, is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I posit some, some, some interesting possibilities in my book um, regarding these aliens. There's, 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 there's no reason to believe that the cosmology of, of, of all that is, uh, is limited to angels, demons, and human beings. Right. 
right? So that's a very limited cosmology, and there's no reason to believe that that's that's that that is the limit of all sentient life uh, on our uh, in in the cosmos. And so I don't know what these things are. I just know what they're doing. And nobody knows who, where they are or, wh- or what they are or where they came from. But but we do know what they're doing. Uh, we, and we know it scientifically. We, we can prove that they're doing what they're doing. And I kind of, I, I think I know why they're doing what they're doing. And I think a lot of other researchers know, have a pretty good idea of why they're doing what they're doing. But we don't know what they are. We do know that if you shoot them, they will die. We know that if they crash in their ships, they will die. That's another aspect of their of, of this that, that sort of debunks this notion that they're demons or spiritual beings. No, they're physical. Um, there's there's accounts of abductees who wrestled with them, who've who've knocked them down, who've knocked them on the head with their hands or other objects, uh, who are resisting uh, the, the 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 abduction encounter. Um, and and who have who have maimed and hurt these things, so I know that they're physical. I know that uh, they're extremely intelligent. I think the small grays. Uh, there's 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 two kinds of small grays. There's one. There's a there's a class that are about three and a half feet tall, and then there's another class that are about four and a half feet. They look they look similar. Um, I do know that they're 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 very drone like in their mannerisms and in their in their disposition uh, they're very stoic uh, the 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 larger creatures the insectolins which are more spindly and their heads are shaped kind of like parking meters some people refer to them as the mantis beings um, that those creatures are exceedingly intelligent that they have extremely powerful um, uh, tele telepathic capabilities and that they can manipulate the human mind um, were they created for some particular purpose and then corrupted? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, but that's certainly a possibility. Were they manufactured by the quote-unquote fallen angels? Your guess is as good as, as good as mine. I don't know. That's that's a possibility. I I tend to think not, but it's it's a possibility. Um, I just know they're not demons, not in the correct definition not according to the correct definition of demons, which we defined in the last segment. So now we can say uh, with certainty that these are not traditional demons as we know them, the, the, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. They're not those. Um, so uh, what are they? Are, are they? are they some other kind of, are they from the, in the interior of the earth? Well, they're big bulbous eyes. Their almond-shaped dark eyes would suggest that they're that they're certainly their biology is is uh, it has a seems to be designed for for a low light environment. I think we can say that, right? Yeah. So, uh, may, are they are they from the interior of Mars? I don't know, um, uh, but I do know that they are in possession of advanced technology. They're flying around in saucer discs, saucer-shaped, bell-shaped, teardrop-shaped craft, shaped craft um, and, other, and other kinds of craft. And I know that uh, they certainly are trafficking through uh, our airspace, uh, and they're certainly capable of moving through the outer atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are things that are known, and these are things that are known scientifically. And I think are beyond dispute. Yeah. Um, 
So all the all the other questions are are unknown. How long have they been here? Right. They've been here, in my estimation. Interesting, because I, in the course of writing my book, I actually conjectured as I was writing this book, I I I, I postulated that that I, from what I've seen and from what I know, from what I've encountered in this with this phenomenon, that. I estimated that the Greys have been around since the mid to late 1800s. Really? Now, one day I was at the gym working out, listening to, to, to Dr. David Jacobs, who, by the way, I think is a phenomenal researcher. I, I, I think he is Jacobs is, and Hopkins, who died, and John Mack, who died. Those three, plus I, I'd throw in Carla Turner. Although I think Carla Turner got off and I think she got uh, um, a little bit... Uh, she was involved with some other people who were, I don't think were giving her the best information, but, but, but um, I, I was listening to Jacobs one day at the gym, uh, give a lecture. And he, he said to my surprise that he believed that the abduction phenomenon and, but Hopkins also believed that the abduction phenomenon began in the late mid to late 1800s. Huh. And I, and I, and so that kind of strengthened my, um, my, my position, um, it bolstered my own position that it began in the mid to late 1800s. And I think it corresponds with the rise of spiritualism, mm. which is interesting. I talk about there's a, there, there is some kind of a strange uh, interlace between the rise of spiritualism in the late, in the mid to late 1800s and the abduction and the, and the appearance of the mystery airships. And let me say that for those who are familiar with the topic, the mystery airship phenomenon that happened in the late 1800s at the turn of the century, um, uh, a lot of people say that uh, Jacques, Jacques Vallée makes this case that, that the phenomenon is morphing itself to, um, presenting itself according to the zeitgeist of each new generation. So right. if, if in the 18, if in the, if in the late 1800s, you know, you had like people reading Jules Verne and you had in the Jules Verne novels the steampunk fantasies right where you have the the big balloon craft with the basket with the you know with the propellers and the flapping wings and you know people who are familiar with jules verne steampunk so then people were were seeing the they were they, the 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 phenomenon was manifesting itself as as the steampunk punk craft i don't think so i don't think so if you look at the accounts if you really uh, scrutinize the accounts of what was being reported in terms of ufos back in the turn of the century of the 18th, 18th to 19th century, uh, you're going to find that when you get down to the details, they're describing the same type of phenomenon that we see today. Huh. And and what I believe is that they're extrapolating onto what they're seeing, because most of these people are just seeing this, just like today's UFO signs, distant objects darting through the sky. Mm-hmm. They're extrapolating. They're, they are superimposing the steampunk concept onto the craft because they're, they didn't understand aerodynamics right in, in at that time I mean the Wright brothers hadn't reached the skies yet with with uh, with their with their with their aeroplanes uh, so so if you are a person living in the late 1800s your only concept of flight and the mechanisms necessary for flight are, are, are from Jules Verne or from the steampunk fantasy type stuff, then when you see an object darting through the sky or hovering, 
your mind is going to begin to say, okay, in order for that thing to be, how can it be flying? How can it be moving up in the sky without propellers or flapping wings right. and so forth? You're going to extract and People do this all the time, by the way. I mean, even with memory today, it's a proven fact that today, if somebody recalls, has a memory, that people's memories can are easily manipulated, mm -hmm. even in court. Your memory can be manipulated. So if you have, if somebody plants a seed in one of your memories about some object, for example, if you're, let's, let's make it relevant to the late 1800s. If you're a person who saw a saucer, just like today, moving through the atmosphere, and later on, you're talking to somebody and they're asking you, but didn't it have propellers? must have had propellers and wings, right? I mean, it had to have like, how could it just be floating there? It had to have balloons. Oh, okay, maybe it did. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe, maybe I don't. And then later on, you're going to recall that that encounter as, and it had some propellers and flapping wings. This is happens all the time. Right. It's this is this is this is not a new phenomenon. The, the way that people remember things in this in this way. So uh, I I don't believe that the that the phenomenon was manifesting itself to fit into the zeitgeist of the late 1800s, early 19th, uh, early 20th century. No, I believe that people were superimposing, that people were extrapolating uh, uh, the mechanisms that they believed were necessary for flight. Remember, they didn't know what aerodynamics, they didn't understand aerodynamics. So the only thing that people at that time knew that, that, that could fly were balloons. Right. Okay, so this is, in my opinion, very clearly what's happening because, because people are... In those accounts, they are describing shiny metallic things that are darting through the sky. Okay, now you tell me how a, how an object, how a, how an airship with big balloons and propellers is going to dart through the sky. Right. Not. So something's wrong here. Either the descriptions of the movement, the maneuvers are correct, uh, or or the description of the craft is correct. Is correct. They can't both be correct. Uh, balloons don't dart through the sky. So, um, so I think very clearly, you know, people are, are, are the, that the mystery airships were, were extrapolations, um, of, of the same kind of craft that we see today were, were, were Jules Verne, um, conceptualizations of the very same craft we see today, mm -hmm. uh, saucer shaped, teardrop shaped, triangular, um, bell-shaped craft, usually metallic, usually shiny, that are moving through the sky in impossible ways, impossible according to our current understanding of physics. It's, understand, or it's uh, interesting, too, because around that time is when we had our own uh, technological explosion. And, I, you know, I've wondered this before, too, uh, when me and Derek were writing our book. You know, I thought... I, we we know that we got some kind of technological understanding from you know the 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 rebellious uh, beings or the, the 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 fallen sons of God or whatever we want to call them people usually say fallen angels but um, at Mount Hermon we we got some kind of technology from from them you know warlike kinds of things you know it, it made me wonder I wonder if something similar happened if if there are alien races out there they're just minding their own business on their own planet and one day they're also given a technological boost but a, a bigger one than ours and maybe it's because we're made in the image of god and we've got some kind of level of protection whereas they don't you know i i, I don't know but w was there something about that time period about that the 1800s that might explain it and, and is it is it that 
And I know we're just speculating because we don't really know, but is it is it that these beings like existed since creation and it was just at that point for some reason they decided to abduct people? Or were they created at that at that point or maybe enslaved by some other alien race? What, what are your thoughts on that? The phenomenon that was sweeping the earth that, that coincides with the mystery airship phenomenon is the phenomenon of spiritualism. Mm -hmm. People, and we forget this, most people don't realize what was going on at the turn of the century. Millions of people across the globe, millions and millions of people were practicing the occult simultaneously. In the, in, at the turn of the century, in the early 20th century, it was just as common for people in America to go to a seance as to church, as to Sunday, ch Sunday morning church service. Mm -hmm. Seances were being conducted in the White House. Um, it was all the rave to try and contact the dead and other entities, by the way, uh, through the medium uh, of a, um, through the agency of a medium, uh, a psychic. Mm -hmm. So if you have a race of entities out there somewhere that are extremely, that have extremely powerful psychic capabilities, telepathic capabilities, and you have millions of human beings on earth tapping into spiritualism through the, through, through the agency of a psychic, is it possible that we were broadcasting mm. some kind of a wavelength or something that was picked up and like a, like a fish following a lure, we drew these, these entities in? And, and is it possible that the dragon orchestrated this? I think it is. And I postulate that in the book. Now, I don't know that that's the case. For all I know, the grays come from under the earth. I don't know. From, from, from the inner earth, from the hollow earth. I don't know. But, but, but certainly there is a correlation between the rise of spiritualism on the heels, by the way, of Blavatsky, uh, who was really instrumental in this, and the um, theosophists. And uh, and the UFO phenomenon, which was called the mystery airship phenomenon, which, by the way, the nomenclature was dropped and, the, and those wild fa fantas fanciful descriptions faded from the papers mm -hmm. um, and, and, and were dropped after after the Wright brothers breached the sky with, the, with their airplanes. So once we started to understand aerodynamics and started to create airplanes and and. Pilots were, were, were flying through the skies with our own flying mechanisms. We dropped all this ridiculous stuff about balloons and propellers. And now we under, just understood these craft as some metallic objects, shiny things, you know, darting through the sky. So um, it wasn't until the, the, the famous uh, uh, sighting by Kenneth Arnold over Mount Rainier of this, what was described as skipping saucer-like uh, uh, boomerang objects that were skipping like saucers across water that, that, that the term flying saucer came into our vernacular but we're talking about the same objects so I think that the greys were drawn to the earth because of the, the spiritualism by the way there is also a very strong correlation even today between your neighborhood psychic and, and becoming a candidate for abduction huh. so uh, I believe that uh, the, the greys are using psychics to identify individuals who have a predisposition to telepathy. 
because the greys control people through uh, the, their telepathic capabilities. So I believe this people are going to think this is controversial. I don't see really why, to be honest with you. But I believe that Adam, I believe that human beings had a telepathic capability. And we still do to some degree. It's called we have an empathetic, an empathetic uh, capability today. We do. Uh, and it's undeniable. You and I, if we're sitting in the same room, if I walk into a room, Josh, and you're sitting in the room, you could be on the other side of the room. If you are having very negative feelings towards me, I can I can pick up on that. Oh, yeah. I'm an empathic person. A lot of us are. Yeah. It's not some kind of a demonic supernatural thing. It's 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 built into our biology, our chemistry. We human beings are empathic. We can sense each other's emotions, even without seeing your face sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there's certain individuals who are more empath empathic than others. We all we all know these people, and a lot of us are these people. We get a feeling. Sometimes people have a feeling that somebody has yeah. is angry with them without ever even seeing them. Just they get the sense like, is that, I feel like this person's upset with me for some reason. You probably have that. Um, and you've come to find out that the person is ticked off with you for some reason. How did you know that? You're picking something up. It's, it's, a, it's an empathic ability that is innate in the human species. Uh, you want to know the best example of an, of an empathic ability that we yeah. have? We have it with animals. No, do not. You can't deny this. We are empathic with mm -hmm. animals, and animals are empathic with us. We can sense how our animals are feeling, how oh, our pets time. are feeling, and they can certainly sense how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Dogs can. Dogs know if you're depressed. They don't know what you're saying. They don't know what you're depressed about, but they feel your emotions. They pick up on your emotions. Um, and some animals are more empathic than others. This ability, this empathic ability is is innate in the biology of living things, certain living things, conscious entities like like animals that are have a degree of consciousness. They're empathic. Dogs are very empathic. Cats are empathic. Human beings are empathic. Um, the question is, were human beings at one time telepathic? And I believe they were. I think that Adam could communicate. Adam and Eve could, 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 could communicate telepathically. And this isn't some, again, this isn't some kind of demonic capability. I think this is, was inherent in the biology of human beings, and we've lost this ability over time. We've lost the ability. We at least could receive and can to this day, we can receive telepathic communications, and abductees do. And that's why I believe certain family lines are chosen for abduction. I believe it has to do with the this telepathic capability that is dormant, but nevertheless present in certain family lines. And so if you have a predisposition to telepathy, then you can be more easily controlled by the aliens, more easily manipulated, and those screen memories are easier to implant. And it's going to be harder for you to resist, <clears throat> to resist the telepathic capabilities of the aliens. And that's why you're chosen um, uh, and, and, and incorporating the abduction program. Um, so, and that's my speculation, but I, but, but certainly if you read Carla Turner's material, you're going to find out real fast that psychics, uh, are agents. It's almost like psychics. And I'm talking about your neighborhood psychic. It's almost like a dragnet in society that the aliens are using to find, um, the, uh, people who are predisposed to that telepathic manipulation. Mm. Yeah. So, 
So I believe that going to a psychic and getting a psychic reading opens you up to alien abduction, makes you a potential candidate. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know a lot of the reason that people get you know nervous about it is because you know New Age has done so much damage, you know, spiritualism, the this, the the dark occultic stuff, because you know they they've taken that and kind of capitalized on it, and they've they've taken the possibility that we may have had other abilities that we don't have now, which which we know that at least we we like for example we were able to live a lot longer before and we don't have that now yeah. um yeah. but you know of course there's going to be new agers that'll twist that too and that they'll say well you can actually live longer if you do this this or that occult practice so I, mean, and, I don't care about new age people right. i don't care about new age beliefs i don't care what's new agey and what's not who cares <laughs> i only care about the truth exactly that's all i care about i only care about the truth if somebody says oh that's new age what do i care most people <laughs> don't even understand what new age is okay i know what new age is i've read blavatsky i've read crowley i've read a lot of the the top new age people ellis bailey yeah <laughs> i know what the new age don't accuse me of new age i know what new i know what new age is better than most people who accuse me of being new ages okay i'm not new age Te uh, telepathy is not new age Empathy is not uh, empathic abilities are not new age just because new age people talk about it. It's very possible uh, that human beings have a, a, a faculty, a, an, an inherent faculty uh, that allows them that uh, at one time they had an active inherent faculty for telepathy. Big freaking deal. OK, big freaking deal. What's the big deal? Um, you know, we know we're empathic already. So there's a hint right there that if you take that one step further, could we also be, and most of us were just, we're broken down, you know, copies of Adam. We've lost a lot of the capabilities that were inherent uh, in, in, our in our original progenitor. So um, I, I can't prove that, that uh, we were inherently telepathic, but I, I, I suspect that we were. We are inherently empathic. <laughs> Not empathic like I always make this, huh. I'm always I'm always making Star Trek uh, references, not empathic like Deanna Troy from, uh, you know, the next generation of Star Trek, not empathic on that level, but 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 empathic on the level that we all already know. Mm -hmm. We can feel each other's emotions. And, you know, what? some people can't. Some people some people are very um, some people are very empathic and other people aren't. And we call that discernment. Yeah, we call that discernment. And it's a function of what we call discernment. And, and by the way. Discernment is not uh, is not exclusive to Christians. Discernment is is a faculty of of Homo sapien. It's a it's a it's discernment is a is a is an innate ability of in 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 built into the in, in, into into some facet of human biology. Because there are plenty of secular people who are very discerning. I know some myself. Okay, I knew a man and know a man still who could who can look at your, and this man, you know, he claims to be a Christian. He can look at a picture of, of, um, let me, let me preface this. He claims to be a Christian, but I know he's not because he doesn't, he doesn't really, uh, uh, believe in the gospel. He's just one of those people who, you know, claim to be a Christian, but he can look at a picture of somebody of your family and, and begin to tell you things about your kids. Hmm. He did it to a picture of my family, things that, you know, he could possibly know. And he's discerning something. He's, there's something empathic there. Now, before people get all up in arms, I don't believe that we should be uh, uh, trying to become more empathic or trying to have capabilities. I just think these are residues. These are latent abilities that are pre, 
that our, our pre-flood ancestors, our antediluvian antecedents were capable of. They were, they were remarkable people. Remarkable people, the antediluvians. Much more remarkable than I think we, we understand. Yeah. That- and, and of course, people should stare clear of the occult, should stare clear of the New Age, should, should stare clear of, of, of uh, all of these uh, psychics. Mm-hmm. Uh, stare clear of psychics. And um, I don't believe, I, I think all of that is, is, is very clearly prohibited in, in, in the scriptures. But you can't say that being empathic is, is sorcery. If that's the case, then we're all sorcerers because we're all empathic. I think the problem comes in when people try to try to control it or try to, you know, kind of be be like the god over that kind of stuff. And and like for example, because there's um there's clear gifts of the Holy Spirit that that people have and and can have, but there's also people who will either counterfeit it or they will try to control it themselves. Like these people that say uh, that that they need to they 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 don't have a hundred percent accuracy in prophecy because they're still learning how to walk in the gift of prophecy. Well, then that's not a gift of the Holy Spirit because that is putting man in control of it. I have to, I have to learn it. I have to learn how to operate in this gift of prophecy. Well, that, that automatically can't be the gift of the Holy Spirit because gift of the Holy Spirit, it's not up to private interpretation because it's not by the will of man. You know, scripture exactly. clearly yeah. says that. If it, yep. yeah, if it's, if it's truly a gift of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to practice it. You just, it just, it just happens, you know, because it's not yeah. really you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I, I think that's where the, the, the real issue, what, what's the cult, what's not, what's yeah. new age, what's not. It's, it's who's controlling it. It's the person controlling, trying to control the this by their own will, or is it something that God is doing in a person? That's a good distinction because, you know, if God endows you with with some gift to be of of, of whatever, then that is exactly it's an endowment. It's an endowment. Mm-hmm. It's something that's given to you. But because all humans are empathic to some degree, right? You can be you can learn to become more empathic. It's a natural. Just like you can learn, you can run faster. Right. You know, you can lift more weights. You can get smarter. You can learn another language. Uh, it, we're all empathic. You can learn to be more. People learn to be more empathic with their animals over yeah. time. They, they, they get a sense of what's going on with their animals. You learn that skill. You develop that. Um, and so what I think it happens in a lot of, there's a lot of like workshops, especially in the charismatic circles, learn to be more prophetic, learn to be more, you know, um, um, you got to flex your prophetic muscle and all this kind of, I believe I've heard a lot of this and I've been around a lot of this. I think what's happening is really what's happening is a lot of these people are just, just enhancing their empathic, their natural innate empathic capabilities that all humans have. And they're calling it prophetic, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And which I think is actually pretty dangerous because then you start to, to to you get the labels mixed up and you start to claim things are prophetic and from God when really you're just operating in, in your natural capability to be empathic with human beings, other human beings. And when you cross those wires, you start to call things, you start to pronounce, make pronouncements in the name of God which you, you shouldn't be crossing those wires. Right, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are perfect and natural abilities of man are not, you know, like... Are like, imperfect. Yeah, exactly. like, yep. I, I might get it right nine times out of ten if I try to guess what somebody's feeling by being in the in the same room, but I'm not going to have 100% accuracy in that or in any ability. You know, I can't, exactly. I can't, I can't, 
you know, lift an infinite amount of, of weight or I can't run an infinite uh, distance. And it's the same with any human ability. There's, there's a limit. The only abilities that don't have a limit are those of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you. That's a really good distinction. And I, I wanted to, uh, okay, so th- this, to kind of follow the, 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 the last question and on to the next one. So around the 1800s, this, this is happening. What are, what are these beings? Cause there's, there's several interpretations. There's, there's different ideas. I'm curious of your opinion. Um, what, what's in it for them? What, what, what is the, the plan of the grays or is it like the plan of the mantis aliens and they're enslaving the great? What, what is their end goal? And on, on the other end of that, with the backdrop of this new religion, how would this perceived alien threat come about? How will it be used to benefit those who want to bring in this new golden age? Or is this all the same thing? Are these different, you know, who, who's in it for, what's in it for who? <laughs> well, those are very complicated questions. Yeah. The greys very clearly are, are involved in a breeding program. The, the, the abduction program is a breeding program. They are creating hybrids human alien alien human hybrids that look like us that to get that can integrate seamlessly into human society without being detected for what reason is anyone's guess um i believe that uh, dr david jacobs gets it right when when he, when he says that their objective is in his estimation planetary acquisition they want to take over they're they're subverting it's <laughs> God, I can't help making that. Uh, <laughs> no, go for I it. I can't uh, uh, help drawing uh, uh, um, analogies with the uh, with with Star Trek. Uh, I don't know why. It's just it just happens naturally. So forgive me for another Star Trek. Oh, no, that's totally that's, fine. It's like the Borg, you know, in Star Trek. It's it's kind of the opposite, the antithesis of the Borg, who who come and they, they if those who are familiar with the Borg, they come and they integrate other cultures and technologies into their collective. Mm-hmm. Well, the Greys do the opposite. Their 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 uh, procedure is is precisely the opposite. They integrate themselves into your culture, into your civilization, and take over from within. So they subvert. It's a it's a subversive takeover rather than an open declaration of war. Um, they do it. Uh, they do it by stealth. And so the Greys are integrating. They're becoming us. Um, but they're retaining enough of the uh, enough of the, enough of themselves in this genetic um, cross species genetic uh, uh, hybridization. Uh, they're retaining their capabilities, their telepathic capabilities. Again, this is a frightening scenario because you've got you've got people who look like us who are not us, who are part us, part them. But for all intents and purposes, they look human. But 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 their their brain composition, their their maybe their souls, it's not us. And they're able, but they're able to manipulate us. So what are they doing? What are they doing this for? Well, the simplest explanation is, is Dr. Jacobs' uh, explanation, which is planetary acquisition. Um, and I think that's probably the right explanation. Um, and there's some very very important and interesting principles that go along with that as it relates to the concept of the birthright and our dominion on earth. Remember I said we have dominion on earth. Mm-hmm. So how are the greys able to do this? I, I, I provide some answers to that, to that question in the book, um, yeah. uh, which are very complicated. So you kind of got to, you kind of got to go from A to Z to understand, um, uh, to understand uh, my thoughts on that. Um, but the greys represent an existential threat 
a true existential extraterrestrial threat. And I believe that are the Greys in league with the dragon? I don't know. I actually, if you let me flip to this real quick, um, sure. I actually, I have three, um, I, po I, I posit three, three potential scenarios um, that really, and I don't, I don't, by the way, I don't hang my hat on one. Uh, I do actually, in the book, I, I lean towards two of them, but I don't, but I don't, I think all three of these alternatives are, are possible and, and more besides, right. but these are the three that, that uh, stand out to me. Um, let me get my bearings here in the book. So let me just read this. Okay. This clarify, this will, this will give the best clarification um, answer to your question. How does the program of the insectolins relate to the machinations of the dragon? It is inconceivable that the alien presence has caught the dragon princes, the Nordics, and you'll understand what I mean by that when you read the book, by surprise. They must have anticipated their arrival or else arranged it. Admittedly, this is a particularly difficult nut to crack as we are dealing with an intelligence considerably, considerably more deft than our own, which I think is apparent. Rather than commit to a single hypothesis, I humbly offer the following three alternatives. So here's the three alternatives. Alternative A. The Greys are controlled by the Dragon Princes. The breeding program is directly orchestrated by agents of the insurgency. The Insectolins are under their command. That's alternative A. Alternative B, the Dragons are allied with the Dragon Princes. The breeding program is managed by the Insectolins as, a part, of, as part of a larger strategy, mutually beneficial to both parties. The Greys may be, a, may be one of several alien factions who have joined the insurgency in preparation for the coming war. Alternative C, the Greys are autonomous. The breeding program has been initiated solely by the insectolins for their own objectives. The dragon princes will likely take advantage of the alien threat to deceive humanity. So in all three of those alternatives, the dragon is going to make use of the alien threat. And I, and I believe definitely the dragon is going to make use, of, make use of the alien threat. Now, is the dragon orchestrating the alien threat or is he just taking advantage of it? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know, but but he's definitely going to take it. At the very least, he's going to take advantage of it. I want to get your opinion on this, too, because this this brings up something that I've been uh, uh, seeing uh, in, in a different in a different perspective. But I've been kind of seeing this in our Christian circles lately, too, is uh, there are people that will look at someone with a different blood type and say that they can't be saved because they have, you know, RH negative blood or something like that, which is, you know, obviously ridiculous. Uh, you know, anybody can be saved. But so how do we as, as Christians, um, if there are these, these, these hybrids that walk among us and they look just like us, how do we avoid something like another witch trials thing where you have uh, people or, or Christians that are thinking their neighbor is really a hybrid and thus not worthy of, of trying to preach the gospel to, or maybe even it getting to the point where the paranoia is so deep that they wish to, to harm this person because they're convinced that it's an alien hybrid. How, how do we, as Christians, how do we avoid uh, all of that? Well, you'd never know who's a hybrid and who's not. I mean, unless you're in some extraordinary circumstance in which you had definitive proof, you'd never know. And, and by the way, these again, David Jacobs, uh, he, he describes these advanced hybrids, the ones that look like us as hubrids as opposed to humans. Right. Hubrids. They, and for all intents and purposes, like I said, they look like us. They're us. 
Um, but they're integrating into society right now, and they're doing so through, again, what Jacobs describes as personal project. Uh, high, they're called personal project hybrids. In other words, they're attached to certain abductees, and the abductees are have a very interesting relationship with these hybrids, these hybrids, who uh, they are they are tasked with teaching these these hybrids how to integrate into the day to day into the day to day routine of, of of human life. You know, things as routine and rudimentary as and knowing how to buy groceries and knowing how to use a refrigerator, knowing how to use a television, knowing how to drive, um, 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 how to interact with socially interact with other human beings without being awkward. Uh, things like this. Um, and so the ones that are advanced, these, these hubrids are not going to be exposed to the rest of us until they're so advanced that they're virtually undetectable. So going around with conspiracies, this person or that person is a hybrid is is um, it's futile because we won't know. You won't know. They're not going to be truly integrated into society until they're undetectable. Mm. However, could they be detected through some kind of biological means through blood or something like that? That's possible. However, let me say that it's, it has nothing to do with the RH negative stuff. I don't think there's any indication whatsoever that RH negative has anything to do with Nephilim or aliens or anything like that. Exactly. Uh, I've never seen anything to that effect. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dead end rabbit trail. And, and there's, there's, you know, there's nothing to it. Um, uh, so uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's going to be a genetic variance. These hybrids are going to be genetically different than us. It's impossible for them to be the same. They're not. You can't have uh, beings that are, are retaining some aspect of the alien's own biology and have them be exactly the same as up, ge us, genetically speaking. There, there's going to be variants. Um, are they going to be, are they, could they be considered a subset uh, uh, of the human species? Uh, I don't know. But there's going to be some kind of a variance that distinguishes, distinguishes them. But which again, we won't know. I mean, uh, we're not going to go around genetically testing people for that. Now, is the government secretly doing that? Now, Josh, here's an here's an interesting thought. Mm -hmm. What if the government? And when I say the government, I'm not talking about your congressman. Okay, I'm talking about uh, the the black ops, the black elements of the government, the deep, the deep, the deep elements of the military industrial complex, right? Mm -hmm. Are they running some programs right now, maybe through vaccines, maybe through who knows what, to try and detect these hybrids? Mm. Uh, I think very likely they are. I think they know the hybrids are out there. They're frightened. They think they know that there's they're an existential threat, and they're trying to find out who they are. And the only way they can is to sample the whole, the collective human populace. We got a lot of those DNA testing kits around too. That's become so popular. Exactly, exactly. So maybe there's elements of the of the you know deep the deeper than the deep state. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about the, the we're talking about the guys that know everything about the the the, the alien presence. Um, are they looking for the the hybrids? Hey, I would be if I were them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if me and you were working at the highest levels of the Pentagon, and we knew this was going on, you and I would come up with some kind of a, some, some way to find them. Right. I mean, this is a clear and present danger, not just the United States, but to the, but to the human race, right? So we would be using every 
every means possible to detect the hubris. Uh, and I, in fact, I hope they are trying to do that, to be honest with you. Oh, sure. So, so um, again, it's no good. It's, there's no, there's no, uh, it's futile to try and speculate on who's a hubrid, who, who's a clone, who's a this, who this, who's a that. Right. You know, if these projects come to fruition uh, and, and hubrids are, are integrated into society, the point is you're not going to know. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to zoom in on some video and see if their eyes look like a look like a, a reptilian or something like that. Uh, that's all distractionary. That's all. Um, none of that. I wouldn't put any kind of stock in any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, same I, here. I still clear of that. Yeah, me too. And and also, it you know, it, it bears no significance on how we proclaim the gospel, how we how we take the Great Commission. You know, I mean, it, it's even interesting in in the Bible, and in, in, uh, I I don't remember which version, but in one of the versions, it's translated as uh, you know, go go and uh, proclaim or, or preach to every creature. It says the word creature, and I've, I've thought about that before. And I read a, a really interesting book, and I forget the author, but there's there's a there's actually a book on it. And the idea is is even if like if all this stuff is true about hybrids and there's 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 a modern day nephilim and if all that's true, like you just said, the the point is we don't know who they are, so it's futile to try and guess. We we our job is it doesn't matter. Preach the gospel to them. You know, it doesn't matter because you could be wrong and you don't want to make that mistake. And think about that. If if Christians, if they would have taken that seriously during the witch trials. You know, they wouldn't have been killing witches. They would have been trying to evangelize them. They would have been trying to reach them with the gospel. Um, in uh, the, the age of discovery, when, when you know, people that look different were, were discovered in other countries, they wouldn't have been treated as subhuman. They would have been, it would have been like, okay, well, let's assume they're human. The excuse that, well, they might not be human, so let's not, you know, I've even heard people say, um, it is, it is, Futile. It is pointless. It, it, it is. It is almost even sinful to pray for people like Bill Gates or Hillary Clinton or any of these people because they're so demonically infused. There's no hope. That is so foolish and so unchristian. It's like, look, they whatever you want to think about them. I, I disagree with a lot of things that they believe and think, but as long as they're drawing breath there is hope that they can be saved. And wouldn't that be great if they could be? We should be praying for that and stuff. Well, and, and yes, we should be praying for God's judgment as well. Uh, you know, well, the apostles told us to pray for those who are in authority. And, and when, when, when the apostles were encouraging the early church to pray for those who are in authority, guess who was in authority? Caesar. Exactly. Romans. Roman <laughs> Empire was in authority. So essentially they were instructing the people, the church, to pray for their local prefects and 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 their uh, procures and and their local governors, mm -hmm. but also to be praying for those in, thor in authority at the highest levels, the Roman Empire. Right. Because Paul said that government was the was basically the arm of God to execute justice on evildoers, and of course you can get very, you know, I'm not I'm not by the way I don't advocate submitting to tyranny. Right. At all. Right. I think. We should resist tyranny. I think we should be resisting, for example, these lockdowns and these mass, mass oh, mandates yeah. and all of this. We should people. It's time. It's civil disobedience. It's time for civil disobedience. And, you know, so I'm not one of those guys who thinks, oh, no, no, no. You know, whatever the government says, you got to submit. I'm not right. like that at all. I, I, I'm like in the John MacArthur camp. It's like, you know, it's, it's Christ over Caesar. That's right. So, um, 
Yeah, and and I totally agree with that. And then and then on the other end of it too, as far as like hybrids and stuff, because we're going to be talking about Grin technologies and things. Um, th- there is going to come a point, and actually we're there now, where hybrids do exist. Hybrids to to one end or another. There there are people like that now. And there's so much that we don't understand or know about the human soul that we're not we're not told. And I, I think that's by design because I think Jesus wants us to focus on you know the gospel and preaching the gospel, not saying, well, they're not human enough, so they you don't know, get the gospel. And you, you, you know, <laughs> I'm about you know I'm about to say something that's going to make a lot of people angry. I don't, oh, go ahead. What do I care anymore? <laughs> uh, look, um, this vaccine isn't going to make you not human. Right. This vaccine that's out there. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to take it. I don't want to take that garbage. I don't put that garbage in my body. Same here. Uh, and, I, and I don't think people should take it. You know, if you want it, but if you want to take it, take it. I don't yeah. care. I mean, it's not going to change your humanity. Right. People are out there saying that's going to change you from you're not going to be human after you take it. That's just not true. Um, it, it's Is it going to mess with your DNA? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to run that risk. I don't think it would make it would it would invalidate my humanity. But I think it, I don't want I just don't want to screw with my biology in that way. Same here. And, and, and I totally agree with people who say, don't take this vaccine. Um, it's dangerous. That's me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to take it. Same my here. wife's not going to take it. My kids aren't going to take it. And, and I'm going to be one of those people who fights against it because I don't like what they're doing. I don't like screwing with our I don't like messing with RNA. I don't like messing with the, the DNA in the cells like this. Um I think it's dangerous, and it's one step towards the ultimate, towards getting to the mark of the beast. I don't think we're close to the mark of the beast yet, right. by the way. I don't believe this vaccine is the mark of the beast. We're not going to wonder what's the mark of the beast when it, <laughs> when it happens, and it's not going to happen in our lifetime. I'm sorry. A lot of people think it's going to, and, and I know I'm cutting against the grain here, but I don't believe. I think, we're, I think you know our kids and our grandkids are going to be seeing some pretty crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, our job is to prepare our kids and our grandkids but, you know, it's like it's like, you know, crying wolf. Uh, every time there's something comes down the pipe, it's the mark of the beast. You know, it's the end. It's the end times. It's the it's the Antichrist. Yep. You know, um, people are going to start tuning that stuff out because everything is the mark of the beast. If everything's the mark of the beast and nothing is the mark of the beast. That's right. Um, and the mark of the beast. And I, by the way, I talk about the mark of the beast from, from my perspective is in my book. And um and uh, I think we got a long way to go still. And when I say a long way, I mean, we, we're, we're probably at the end of the age right now. Mm-hmm. Now, the end of the age doesn't mean that we're two days away from the return of Christ or two years away. It could mean that we're 200 years away. Because the end of the age, by the way, according to the ancients, um, the, the passing from one age to another, that tumultuous period, it's like it's like 500 years. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, uh, an age is about 2,500 and some years, roughly speaking. So... Um, when you get into the last few hundred years, you're you're in the end of the age. You're in the turning. You're you're in that turning point where one age turns into another, which is usually tumultuous. So I think we're there, um, and uh, I, I have a lot of high degree of confidence. I believe that the age that we're in now, the age of Pisces, began with the birth of Christ, and 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 it's going to end end when when we turn when the age turns to to Aquarius. By the way, this isn't this isn't paganism. This isn't astrology. This is astronomy. And this is this is the way that the ancients calculated calculated ages. The way the Hebrews calculated ages, by the way, it's called the Matzeroth. Mm-hmm. Matzeroth is the zodiac. So um, 
astrology is trying to make predictions and trying to get into it's getting into um, um, it's getting into divination astrology. That's that's the garbage you want to avoid. Um, so uh, so having said that, um, uh, I don't know what what is the what is that dividing line between human and non-human, human and transhuman, human and post-human, transhuman and post-human. What are those dividing lines? I don't know, but I can tell you for certain. If somebody says, "Hey, there's this great biological upgrade in the future. You can upgrade your DNA, and by doing this upgrade, you, you can live 20 years longer. Your vision's going to improve. You're going to be able to avoid these uh, particular uh, uh, genetic." Um, I always forget the word. I want to say de genetic delinquency. There's a word for it. The genetic disease. Um, uh, but but you know, here's a caveat. This DNA has some animal DNA in it. Mm -hmm. You know, this there's some there's some there's some there's some there's some genetic components here from a from a cat or something. I'm automatic automatically going to say no, no yeah. thanks. I don't want that because cross species genetics. I believe biblically speaking is an abomination. Yes, I think that's clear. Cross species genetics is an abomination. So we can draw that line for sure. Yeah, definitely. How, about, how about gene therapy, though? Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody comes to me and says, uh, you've got cancer and your cancer is, is derived from this gene, this gene that you have is mutated and it's 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 corrupted. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you have this cancer. But if we take somebody else's gene, like your wife's or somebody else's, that's not mutated, and we do the, the gene therapy, and we fix your mutated gene with this human sequence that's the correct one, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because that, that's, that's human to human. Right. That's restoration. You're not, you're not, it's not glorification. You know, like I wear glasses because my eyes are bad. I'm restoring my sight just with a pair of glasses. I'm not giving myself night vision that I was never intended to, to have in the first place. You're, you're repairing the human genetic code you're, you're you're repairing the genome with human genes exactly i've got no problem with that you, i have no problem with people repairing their their genome with human genes we do that with blood transfusions right when you get human blood and i know some people are against blood transfusions i'm not i mean you get human blood from another human being exactly and and, and, and you know you can get you can get a transplant of one of your organs from a donor that's in your family mm -hmm. so essentially when you give birth to a baby, like my wife just did a few days ago, that baby's got a lot of mic and her components in it. Yeah. In terms of genetically speaking. So that's natural. Mm -hmm. So I think gene therapy, as long as the gene therapy does not involve animal DNA, if you've got animal DNA, then, you, then you're talking about a GMO human. I mean, yeah. um, I'm not for that at all. I think we, we should draw a, dis, a very distinct de definitive line there don't put any animal DNA in my body. Human DNA, fine. Animal DNA, forget it. Just yeah. like I wouldn't want a cat's blood transfused with mine, you know, a, a transfusion from a cat. I don't want a cat's DNA in my body. I don't care if it gives me better vision or hearing. I don't want it. I'm going to draw the line right there for sure. Now, yeah. is there some crossing here and blurring of the line? Probably. Like like this, the vaccines that, that, that screw with the RNA. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to come out and say that if you I will not say. I, and I don't know where you guys stand on this or the Skywatch people, but I will not say that if you get this uh, vaccine, you are sinning or you are 
right. uh, going to become irredeemable. I'm not no, going to say no. that. Us either. I don't. I don't understand the science. Number one, I don't understand what the RNA thing is doing. I haven't looked into it. I don't want to get it because I don't trust it. Number yeah. one. But, that's pretty but much I'm exactly where we're at, too. Yeah, I'm not going to say that it's going to change your humanity or anything like that. I don't know enough about it. Could it? I suppose. I haven't looked into it enough. I'm not going to get it on the grounds that I don't trust it, and I don't yeah. want to screw with my DNA. And I, don't, I, don't, I think it's dangerous. I don't want to mess with my DNA. You tell me that this thing does something with the messenger RNA and it's, you know, this new kind of thing. It's like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> you know, so... But I'm not going to come out and say it's somebody. Get, some people are going to have to get it in the military yeah. and stuff like that. And this is not. I'm going to say this definitively. I don't care if people get angry. This is my opinion. This is not the mark of the beast. Exactly. And you know how I know? Because the man of sin is not on the stage yet. And you're not required to worship the beast in order to get it. You're not required to deny Jesus uh, you, to get it. You know who the beast is. <laughs> exactly. You know who the beast is. Exactly. Okay, so so if, um, until the beast is on the scene, the mark his mark isn't isn't going to show up yet. You can't have the mark of the beast without the beast. And don't tell me it's Obama. Don't tell me it's the Pope. It's not. In, in my opinion, and I make this case in the book, the beast, the so-called Antichrist, is the son of the dragon. Yes, he's a hybrid son of the dragon. He is Apollo, and he's not just some world leader. He's not just some charismatic. Um, uh, political figurehead, he's coming. You know how Christ is coming on the clouds of heaven? You know, guess what? Apollo's coming on the clouds of heaven too. He's he's an imitation of Christ. He's going to mimic Christ. He's an imposter, and he's going to he's going to make the world believe that he is Christ. And when he shows up, it's not. No one's going to wonder. You know, could this be the Antichrist? I think all true believers are going to instantly recognize that this is the man of sin. In fact, in fact, Paul says that to the Thessalonians who, who were worried that they had missed the coming of the Lord. And Paul said, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that the Lord is not going to return until the man of sin, the son of destruction, is revealed? Uh, I mean, yeah. And, and, and this is, uh, you know, Apollo was born on the island of Delos, which means to be revealed. Right. So so it's Apollo. I believe his name is actually going to be Apollo. And, he, and, I, and he's coming with the clouds and he's kind of and an imposter he's a false christ that's what antichrist means mm -hmm. not against christ he's claiming to be christ you know just like christ says he did everything that he saw his father doing he came in the name of the father paulo's going to come in the name of his father the dragon and it's again it's the inversion of the gospel okay so is this the mark of the beast not even close is it dangerous is it potentially could screw you up some genetic stuff? I think so. Yeah. Uh, would I take it? No. Yeah. So um, I think we need to be very wary of, of anything that screws with your DNA now. Having said that, there are gene therapies that are very safe and very effective. They take they take this sequence from your wife or someone of a donor. That's a human sequence. This is a this is Adam's DNA. Okay. Adam's DNA, unaltered, taking the correct one and replacing your screwed up, corrupted, uh, 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 muted gene that's mutated and replacing it with the right code. Right. I'm totally fine with that. That's Adam to Adam. And um, and so I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and th this also 
is something that you know we as Christians should be having conversations about. And I, and by the way, there is nothing that you said that I disagree with. I'm I'm right on board with all that. It's funny. Uh, I did a video uh, that was literally called um, "COVID nineteen vaccine is not the mark of the beast." YouTube deleted it. For it. YouTube deleted it. They they actually and they told me that they That's don't. Weird. They don't allow anything on their platform that conflicts with what the World Health Organization uh, says. I was like, oh, my gosh, you clearly so, did not so watch it. The World Health Organization is saying that the COVID vaccine <laughs> is the mark of the beast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just a stupid algorithm that they yeah. run, just picks up certain keywords and then makes a determination. Yeah, they, they matched mark of the beast and COVID and they thought, COVID. Uh, yeah, they thought exactly. I was saying something I wasn't. But Five? I entirely agree. Look, you can't just claim nilly willy that what that something is the mark of the beast. You're right. not allowed to do that according to scripture. Right. You, you, things have to line up before you can have a mark of the beast. You've got to have the beast on the scene. Yeah. And he's not. Is he alive? I don't know. I don't know if he's alive, but I'm telling you, he's not on the scene yet. And if he is, nobody knows who he is yet. Yep. It has not become abundantly apparent. And why is it going to become abundantly apparent? Because he's going to claim to be Christ. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a counterfeit Christ. And he's gonna and he's gonna openly blaspheme uh, God and blaspheme the real Christ. He's gonna say that Jesus was the imposter, and 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 so um, and claim to be the true Christ and will be embraced as such. There's nobody alive right now that even comes close to fitting that bill. That's right. And again, I don't believe he's gonna be fully human. I, I believe he's gonna be the hybrid offspring of the dragon. The dragon is gonna copulate with a human woman, just like the watchers with the human woman, just like the watchers did and procreate a child that is human enough to be a claimant to the throne of Adam, mm -hmm. to usurp the dominion of the human race on earth, which is, of course, the, the through narrative of my book. And, and, and it kind of brings us all the way back to the question of post-humanism, the post-human paradigm and all of that, and then, and then um, that Jacob and Esau scenario that's coming. There was, there was one, um, one last question about the alien thing that I wanted to ask because I know people are wondering this. If they're not demons, but they are demonic, but they're not demons, um, how do, is there hope for people who are uh, abductees to make this thing stop? Is there a way to make it stop? Because usually they're told, you know, pray in the name of Jesus, tell them to go away, and they will. And I, I think that works for some people because there are demonic attacks that do happen. So I, I think there, there's that. But but what about people that are actual abductees from literal flesh and blood uh, extraterrestrial beings? Is there is there hope? What, what, do, what, do, what do they do? That's a difficult question. Um, let, me, let me say first, that a lot of people, that most abductees, only can remember the beginning and the end of an abduction episode. In other words, they can only remember the onset of the episode when they're being taken from their bed or wherever they're being taken from, and the moment, the point at which they are returned. So what does that look like for most abductees? Most abductees remember being lifted off their bed and then being put back down onto their bed. And so they take, and Bud Hopkins was the first to point this out. And so they take those two experiences, the beginning and the end of an abduction episode, which might have been two and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. And they only have the beginning and the end that they can consciously recall. And then they glue them together. And so what they recall is going up and then coming down. And mm -hmm. so unfortunately, I, I, I think a lot of Christians who happen to be abductees believe that they've been successful in halting an abduction when in fact they haven't. They're just remembering the beginning and the end. So they're going up and then they're coming back down to their bed without remembering the interim. Mm. 
Um, um, now, I'm not going to tell you that uh, rebuking, you know, in the name of or evoking the name of Jesus, uh, invoking the name of Jesus is good, is is that you shouldn't do that or that you should. I, I don't. I, I have commentary on that on my book, and I and I really lay it out um, what I think about that. But you know, I mean, uh, listen. I think all believers, if they get into a scenario that is a, a difficult, dangerous, life-threatening, scary scenario, our first reaction is going to be to pray. Yeah. And I think that's the appropriate reaction for any any scenario you're in. Abduction, you know, you get in a car accident. My first reaction, I think your first reaction, most believers are going to pray. Yeah. And, and rightly so. Um, but... The name of Jesus is not a magic wand. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I refer to this as Harry Potter Christianity. Because a lot of Christians are under the impression that the name of Jesus is this wand. It's this magic wand. You know, and in Harry Potter, like, you know, uh, some evil thing is happening and you, and you wave your wand and say, Expelliamos. And, you know, shoot some kind of, a, uh, you know, magical substance out of the wand and, 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 and halts halts your adversary from 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 attacking you or something. That's not the name of Jesus is is not wielded like a magic wand, and and it, to some extent, uh, people who really push this, uh, I think, are 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 losing the essence of what the gospel is. It's not, you know, it's not the, the name of Jesus. Invoking the name of Jesus is not in and uh, in and of itself some kind of a weapon. Um. Our faith in Christ is is just that. It's our faith in the gospel. It's our faith in, in that the gospel is true. We put our faith in the in the death, uh, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's where we put our hope that 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 He died to redeem us. Uh, that through His death and resurrection, He reconciles us to the Father and restores us to everything that was lost in Adam. That's the gospel, and so. That's what my faith is in. My faith is not necessarily in uh, uh, the, just the name of Jesus that that I can, you know, brandish the name of Jesus to 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 expel every evil thing or every unpleasant thing. Um, you know, it, it, like if somebody were, were were to get cancer, I don't just go over their house and say, you know, in the name of Jesus, you don't have cancer. We all know that that doesn't work. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes, sometimes God is determined to heal that person, and He's going to use you to go over there and pray for that person. And that absolutely happens. Of course, that happens. I've seen it myself. That does happen. But it'll and, be and up that, to God, not up to us, because we that's don't orchestrated by God. Exactly. It's like Jesus only did the things He saw His Father doing. He only healed the people that the Father told Him to heal. Right. And He did that for the glory of the Father, and to and to, and to certify and authenticate the gospel. Um, so this idea that we can walk around and just wave, wave the brandish the name of Jesus, you know, like a wand, like a magical wand is, I think that's bad theology. Yeah. It's, 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 it's errant theology. And so I said that to say that assuming that if you're abducted, let's not even talk about an alien abduction. Let's just make it a, let's talk about a, a trafficking abduction. Mm -hmm. Somebody's trying to abducting you for purposes of human trafficking. There's no guarantee that you're going to say in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop and they're going to stop. There's no guarantee. Right. 
I mean, if that were the case, none of the Yazidi Christians in Iraq or Afghanistan would have been abducted by ISIS and sold as slaves in the market. That's right. None of the Christians, none of the early Christians who were uh, abducted by Roman soldiers and brought over to the Colosseum to Colosseum to be burned at the stake or eaten by lions would have been burned at the stake or eaten. You know, that's where we get the term Roman candle from, by the way. Yeah. They were covered in tar and burned uh, in the palace as candles, living candles. None of that would have happened to the Christians if they had a magic wand to just expel their their uh, uh, their captors or, 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 the, or the people who are being hostile towards them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, and so in the same way that that we don't brandish around the name of Jesus like a magic wand in those scenarios, I don't think that that uh, that that's a fail safe against abduction. And so I think what's happening is a lot of people who are believers, sincere believers, and are rebuking uh, their abductors, their their alien abductors in the name of Jesus, are remembering the beginning and the end of the episode. Not in all cases. I'm certainly open to the notion that 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 they are in fact driving away these entities. Sure, I'm not closing the door for that. But I do know from personal experience, by the way, having interviewed certain individuals that. That that they are being abducted, and they're and they're they thought that they rebuked the aliens in the name of Jesus, but and, and that the aliens put them back down on the bed, but in fact they didn't because they, then they start to recall what actually happened. Mm-hmm. It was the usual procedure. They went up through the window, up into the craft, laying out, lay, laid out on the on the uh, on the table, and the, and the and the typical procedures, abduction procedures, were being um, were being carried out. And then they were brought back and returned to their bed. And so at first they remembered going up, rebuking, and then being put back down. Mm-hmm. Because, again, most abductees only remember the beginning and the end of the abduction episode. So they're gluing, like like Bud Hopkins talks about, they're gluing the beginning and the end together and assuming that because they rebuked at some point of being taken off their bed, they rebuked the entities, they invoked the name of Jesus so they were brought back down to their pillow, you know, re- returned to their bed, that it worked. I actually think this is a little bit dangerous for Christians to, to promote this idea that, that, that there's this fail-safe. You can rebuke the uh, aliens in the name of Jesus. And why? Because people who are uh, Christian abductees who are doing this and are convincing themselves that it's working, but in reality they know that it didn't because they can recall some of the, some of the abduction memories— they're suppressing those memories because now they're under the impression that if they're rebuking these demons, these these angels, these these I'm sorry, these aliens who they believe are demons in the name of Jesus, and it's not being effective, then their faith, then their faith is somehow deficient. Exactly. And maybe they're not really believers. Yes, and that's the only response that can be given in that situation. And I have heard that a lot of times, and it does give me concern because it reminds me of the super charismatics that say, if you pray for healing in the name of Jesus and it doesn't happen, there's something wrong with you, the victim, with, with the person with or the that disease. If you don't speak in tongues, I, you're not really a ex- yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it reminds foolish. me of. And that kind yeah. of stuff can hinder somebody's faith because that, that happened to me. You know, I've, I've got a degenerative bone disease. And I remember when I came out of New Age, I, I naturally, you know, when I came back to Christ, I naturally went into the charismatic stuff for a while. That was just like a natural progression from New yeah. Age. And yeah. while I was, yeah. <laughs> and while I was, while I was in it, um, I had people saying, yeah, you can be healed of this. Just, you know, you got to have faith and pray in Jesus' name and take command over it. You know, it was a lot of that stuff. And 
And I did, and it didn't work. So I thought for a while that there was something wrong with me. It caused depression. Yeah, it caused depression. It was a severe hindrance on my faith at the time. When in reality, what's really going on is I don't get to control the gift of healing. The Holy Spirit controls it. If he wants to heal me, he will. And if he doesn't... And you don't get to wield the name of Jesus like a magic wand. Exactly. That's not the way it works. If he doesn't heal me, his grace is sufficient for me, and that's fine. I will get healed in the next life. You know, I'll get a new body. That's well, fine. you're going to get one. It's the resurrection. It's the hope of every believer. Ex- exactly. We're all going to get healed and fixed and 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 restored. Exactly. All so, of us. That's the that's the hope of the gospel. That's your faith, and that's what our faith is is placed in. So so again, it's dangerous, mm-hmm. I think, to tell people that all you got to do is rebuke these things in the name of Jesus. They're just demons. They're going to go away if you. I'm I'm sorry. I would not do that. I would yeah. not tell people that. I do not think that. Uh, that that is accurate in all cases. It could it be accurate in some cases. Sure. Again, I'm not closing the, the door right. to the idea. I'm just saying that I know personally. I know people who are strong believers who are abductees who who thought at first that they were effectively rebuking the the these quote unquote demons in the name of Jesus, and they were being the demons would put them back down and run away. But then later on, we're beginning to realize that in fact. What that was not what was happening. They were beginning to recall that, in fact, they were taken up. Oh, yeah, because they were suppressing the memory mm-hmm. because now they have to suppress the memory of the abduction. Because if, if they allow themselves to remember that they're that they're that the invocative solution of of invoking the name of Jesus and, and the demons flee, if that didn't work, then what does that say about their faith in Christ? I'm sorry. It has zero bearing on your faith in Christ. Zero. That's my one like main concern about that whole thing because if 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 you'd use the name of Jesus and if it doesn't work and, and you're in that paradigm, the only option is to tell the victim there's something wrong with them. And exactly. look, and it might be, you know, the, okay, so, some people might be, they might be a, a total alcoholic and they're inviting some evil forces in by, by in, in indulging in that too much or being a drug addict or, or you know, a, a serial fornicator or something. You know, I mean, you there can be situations where, you know, the, the quote unquote victim has, has some things that they have to clean up. But I don't, I don't think that it's wise to assume that that has to be the case every time because bad things happen to good people sometimes, you know, bad, bad, evil things can happen to very good, strong Christians. And it, it might not have anything to do with it being the victim's fault. Sometimes people are victimized. If it was the victim's fault, they wouldn't be a victim. You know, they, they wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to call them that. So that, that Sorry. is, that's always been my main issue with it is, is if, it, if, if, the person claims it doesn't work. Like if they say, well, you know, they, they came after me, I used the name of Jesus and it didn't stop the attack. If they say that, the only logical response in that paradigm is to say, there's something wrong with you. There's there's with some you. sin. There's yeah. some, there's some, yeah. but it's you would, the same but, charismatic you, line. It's exactly the same. Like you said, right. with the healing stuff, it's exactly the same. But well, you, there's something wrong with you. You would never say that to somebody whose house got broken into or whose, no. whose brother was, got murdered or... or was actually abducted by like human traffickers, and, and and you know what? A lot of people out there, because of this, well, I would call it a doctrine at this point, that you know, rebuke the, the the alien quote unquote demons in the name of Jesus, and they'll flee. There's a lot of Christians who are doing this and who are on the on the exterior um, pretending like it's working, but on the interior are living in denial, and that denial is wrecking their faith. And some of you are listening to me right now. Your faith has been wrecked 
because you 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 know that this is still happening and now you're questioning whether or not you're really a believer don't question whether you're not a believer based on rebuking something do you believe in the gospel of christ if you do cling to it if you believe in the gospel of christ then you are a believer regardless of your being abducted or whatever and and so that's that's what i would encourage people don't don't uh don't judge your standing in the kingdom your your faith in christ based on invocations that's actually you want to talk about new age invocations are 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 not something that i i think christians should be uh, all caught up in um in 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 invoking things um and using it in a way that is that is very much akin to to magic yeah and again i and i'm and i'm referring to the extremes like like i i've seen i've been in and i've seen extreme charismatic nonsense where there's invocations of all kinds weird stuff uh pr- pronouncements proclamations that are supposed to magically uh eradicate problems that are going on in your life and 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 that's borderline new age type stuff if you want to talk about new age the main point is don't don't question your standing with god based on these things just like if something bad happens to you if your car breaks down or if you have a family member that dies or any number of horrible things that can happen uh in the world don't use those things as evidence that there's something wrong with you and god if if god has an issue with you if there is some sin uh you can ask, he'll tell you you'll you'll feel convicted you'll you'll know and you can ask him, you can go to him with it and say, Lord, if there's any sin in my life, if there's anything that I need to uh, fix, please show me what that is and show me how to do it. And he, he will. And I, I fully believe in that. Well, the good, the good news is uh, we are out of time for this interview, but Tim has agreed to do an act, actually a part four because we have two more topics that we really have to get to. We got to talk about Grin Technologies and the end times, and we got to talk about Jacob and Esau. And to try to cram that into, you know, another 10 or 15 minutes, it's just not going to work. It's impossible. <laughs> it is. These are these are big topics. So we're actually going to do a part four. So make sure to uh, join us next time. Before we go, Tim, do you have any uh, final thoughts for this uh, part three? I know I would just encourage people to, to take the abduction phenomenon seriously. Don't write it off. Don't just wave your hand and say, oh, that's demons. Um, you know, I, I detail it pretty well in my book. So my book is a good starting point. Um, and you'll find the other sources that I would recommend in the book, in the footnotes, um, if you really want to take a serious scientific look at the phenomenon and then make your determination. And uh, I encourage people to do it because it's happening. It's real. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it is absolutely happening. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for, again, agreeing to do another part so we can get into the last parts of your books and of your book and really give it the time uh, that it deserves. Always a pleasure uh, talking with you, Tim. The pleasure is mine. All right, everybody else, thank you so much for viewing. And until next time, we will come back for one final part with Timothy L. Barino. Till next time, love you all. Take care and God bless. All right, a big thank you to Tim Alberino for joining us for part three. You are not going to want to miss part four, the explosive conclusion to this interview series. If you don't want to wait, if you want access to it right now, head on over to dailyrenegade.com. You're not only going to get the sharpening report, you're going to get a bunch of other shows as well. We have JPD Weekly, we have the Christian Contrarian and the Christian Marauder, we have Detox Babylon. There's so much content there, you won't know what to do with yourself. So make 
make sure you head on over there. And, and, and all of it is good for the family too. You know, don't, don't waste your money on Netflix. Come on over and be a part of the family at dailyrenegade.com. Get something that is spiritually edifying for yourself and for your family full of good, uh, solid information. That way you can also get the entire series with Timothy Alberino, the entire Birthright series. Just head on over, dailyrenegade.com, log in, and then you'll be able to find the entire series there. All right, so tomorrow we will be airing uh, the on YouTube, we'll be airing the final part in this series. So uh, if, you're, if you want to wait till then, then we will see you there. Thank you so much. Until next time, take care and God bless. Music.